This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away back, gone! Go hey, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise, here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe, from humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to a World Series edition of A's Cast Live as we're getting you ready for game one of the Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. I can't wait. I think it's going to be a hell of a series. We have some things we have to get to before we have some unbelievable guests for you. And, yes, someone did predict Arizona-Texas, by the way. Somebody did. We'll have to get to that in just a a few moments. Scott Emerson, the pitching coach of your Oakland Athletics, to break down what we've seen and what we will see in the World Series. Have to really get into this conversation of third time through the order. Because certain guys have been throwing the ball well, And then people will say, well, the numbers say you got to get the guy out. The unknown versus the known. Why do baseball teams feel they have to make this decision? Guy can be dealing. He's only got 75, 80 pitches. Third time now through the order. Got to get him out. Is it a good idea? Well, some numbers will say yes. A lot of fans don't like it. What's the the decision-making process We'll talk to Scott Emerson, the pitching coach of your Oakland Athletics. Our A's historian, David Felbin, will be by. What's our top ten today? Top ten A's postseason moments. Ooh. All good? or because there's? I, I some, don't know. He hasn't sent me the official list, so I don't there's know. There's some – I mean, if it's all-time, all-time, there's obviously a lot with four World Series championships. There's a couple losses. Is it just Oakland A's? Are we, de- are we delving into Philly days, too? <laughs> I think we're just going to do Oakland. Well, we don't have highlights for the Philly days. And then our national baseball columnist, Eno Sears from The Athletic, will stop by. I got five things that I need to hit today before we get to Scott Emerson. By the way, good to see you. How are you? How is everything? Everything's great. It's been a lot of weeks since we've been on, so a lot's happened in a week. Like what? Well, we have the World Series set. Yeah. Uh, the NBA fi- the NBA season has started. Could you- not care less, as Rick Barry once said on my you told talk me, show. You told me Bro- could not care less. You told me Brock Purdy was Joe Montana. I told you Darnell was Sam Young. Now we're get- or Steve Young. Now we're going to have some QB controversy. You said Sam Darnold, Steve Young, righty, lefty. Well, I'm just saying because he's waiting in the wings. Oh, so. what are you- injury Jeff happened. Jeff Garcia. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Sharks love and want a game. Hey, There's the, a lot of stuff happening. The NBA tells us. The NBA tells us. The season doesn't start till Christmas Day. Uh, that's that is correct. Is that is that factual? That is fact. We don't go national until Christmas Day. So uh, when's December twenty fifth? A while from now. That's when I'll <laughs> I'll care. A little over two. Uh, 
by two months from now, literally. And unfortunately, I don't want to be that guy as somebody I'm very proud that I got to cover two of the Warriors championships on 95-7 the game. Got to do pre and post on two of them. Uh, it was one of the great thrills of my career. Those teams aren't walking through that door. Oh, wow. No faith in 38-year-old Chris Paul. Age will always win. Father time. It just, it, it's just how it works, right? So we'll see how this year's going to go. I'm not saying they don't have a shot. They got a puncher's chance. But you already got teams that passed them last year who were younger. And they're now more experienced. It's going to be tough. Yeah, the Western Conference is pretty deep. And the Kings are coming. You got the Nuggets are the defending champions. The, who's the team? Is it the Suns? The Suns are pretty good. They're, just they're, they're not young, but they're, they got one. Well, I mean, Devin Booker's still young. but All right. We yesterday did a meeting. And in that meeting, we talked about how you view, if you're listening, athletics.com slash AceCast, iHeartRadio, God bless you. We love you. If you're watching this show and you're watching it on you, because there's a lot of ways you can watch it, right? You can watch it on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. You watch it on Facebook. We need to start doing more love for Facebook because we're not Facebook guys. My wife is a big Facebook. Same. My wife is. And we forget that there's so, you know, Facebook is still the most used platform. Even though my kids look at it as, and now I got to get into this thing about my kids. Wow, about the future. Woo. I'm looking at the next 12 years. In 12 years, once we hit November, in 12 years, my kids will be 30. The world in 12 years. And just looking at how these kids and all my buddies' kids consume, how they, how they, how, how they go about life in 12 years. Oh, my God. I'll have to get into that. It could be at a later point. But, yes, we're going to have more stuff coming your way. And for you Facebook guys, we're going to have a lot more coming your way. Stay tuned. On YouTube, this is this this is on me because I watch so many golf stuff. And golf is one of the most looked at, the, like, the golf tips. These Some of these tips get millions of views worldwide. Millions. And the, the guys are always saying, hit subscribe, hit subscribe, hit, you know, hit, hit thumbs up, hit subscribe. We never do that. So you know what? That's on us. We got told we're bozos. You need to subscribe. A's YouTube channel. Hit subscribe. All the stuff we put out will get put into your algorithms. The other one, too, is, is you promoted the video. Uh, let's not forget, uh, we have a very successful podcast and the ratings on the podcast. If you look, just look at Apple Podcasts, we have a 4.8 yeah. rating out of 5. We, good. Ne- we never promote our own stuff. <laughs> yeah. And we come from radio. We were the kings of slipping our own stuff. Yeah. It's like we forgot how to do it. Yes. Athletics.com slash AceCast. And we just think because you're here, you get it. But on YouTube, hit subscribe. You need to hit subscribe. Uh, number two that I need to get into. Probably the most important thing today other than the World Series is our dear friend Ken Korak is on the list for the Ford C. Frick Award, which is the award given to a broadcaster that makes them a Baseball Hall of Famer. It's a part of the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's the biggest honor that a play-by-play man, 
someone who's given their life to the game. It's the biggest honor that they can get. Just being nominated says you're one of the greatest of all time. If you are given this award, you're remembered as truly one of the greats forever. But Ken Korak, as we know, voice of the A's, is one of the tops in the business. And these play-by-play guys give their life to the broadcast. Good years, bad years, doesn't matter. And we know what a good person Ken Korak is, what he means to the A's community, what he has meant to all of us personally in our lives, as a mentor, as a friend, as as someone beating me in golf. <laughs> You'll get there one day. Don't let don't don't let that age thing that Korak's ball and clubs do not know how old he is. <laughs> don't let him say he's the biggest sandbagger I've ever been around. But congratulations to our own Ken Korak for getting on that list, and hopefully he gets it. He's now on that list, so he's going to be there a while. How great would it be to go to Cooperstown, New York, to the Baseball Hall of Fame to honor Ken Korak as a Ford C. Frick Award winner? would be pretty special. It's a pretty star-studded class. Our good friend Tom Hamilton. Swung on and belted. Uh, Dan Schulman, another friend of ours. Kruk and Kuiper on there. The yeah. voice of the Red Sox, Joe Castiglione. Joe Buck. So there's a lot of heavy hitters on there. And the, the Can't we get Joe Buck like 10 years from now? I mean, he's only like 50. I mean, seriously. Buck, get in line. I've, you, I've, you've made enough money. You've had enough people kissing your behind. Joe Buck, <laughs> get to the back of the line. Let these other guys get in. Uh, December six. And by the, the way, uh, all their, all their, all their, all their guys didn't have a dad to get them into the business. So can we get them all in first for uh, nepotism, Joe? Er, Ernie John, Ernie Johnson Senior is on the list. Father of Ernie Johnson Junior from TBS TNT. Ernie Johnson Senior broadcast for who? Uh, was he, he the Braves games? Didn't he? Like back in the day, back in what day? Uh, I I had the list. The carries were always. Skip Carey was. I mean, how how lady of like. They they had the whole breakdown. Hold on. Okay, I don't really want to go into this. You're supposed to have these answers. By the way, December six is one that'll be announced at the winter meetings. Who's going to receive the Ford? And you know who's going to be at the winter meetings? We are. We are. Quickly, uh, I got things to get to. I'm not. I'm not. You either got the answers or you don't. Uh, I'm looking right now. It's on, on the page. Uh, where's Johnson? To say Johnson Jr. Uh, called Braves games for 35 seasons from 1962 to 1991 and from 95 to 99 following nine seasons as a big league pitcher. There, there you go. All righty. Ken Korak, congratulations. Just being nominated is incredible. So – I'm not going to give out his personal email. I wish there was a way people could read. You can reach Ken. He's on he's on X at or Ken, Twitter. At Ken Korak Radio on X. Reach out to Ken Korak. Give him some love. I'm going to do something that a lot of hosts don't do, right? Our buddy Mad Dog was supposed to retire, didn't <laughs> retire. Everybody's got big opinions. We're in the opinion business, right? We're in the uh, opinion business, and... When you give out a bunch of opinions, there's going to be times you're going to be wrong. But also, we're in the opinion business. We're also in the ego business. And most people who sit in my chair have big egos. And I have a big ego. I admit it. But you never want to admit you're wrong. And that always drives me nuts. Never want to admit you're wrong, right? Always got to be right. Well, 
I'm here to tell you I need to apologize to the Texas Rangers. Even though I did pick them to go to the World Series, but this is far back. I, I, I am 100% wrong, and I need to own up to it. I need to eat crow. I wrecked the Rangers for the signings of Simeon and Seager. I thought, you gave away half a billion dollars to Marcus Simeon, great offensively. You're going to stick him at second base. I don't know how he's going to age. Corey Seager, you gave over $300 million to Corey Seager, who stinks defensively. Like, how's this going to work? I went all in on that. I roasted him. You know what? Nolan, I apologize. I was wrong. I was completely wrong. They had a vision. They put their money where their mouth is. They opened up a new ballpark. And they were so unlucky that they opened up the ballpark and COVID starts so they never get to have that honeymoon. And I just looked at those contracts like this just shows you how dumb baseball is. How dumb are you giving these guys this money? You're just throwing away money. You're... It, and it's not good for the sport that you're just throwing away all this money just to tell your fan base you spent money, but it didn't make you any better. Where's the ROI, the return on investment? Well, I'm eating crow today. I'm wrong. I'm absolutely 100% wrong. They're in the World Series. You want to know what their return on investment is? They're in the World Series. Not only are they in the World Series, you need to understand the, the Rangers' business model. The Rangers have very stiff competition. When you're at the ballpark in Arlington, just down the way, a couple hundred yards, is Jerry's world. It's the Dallas Cowboys. And you need to be relevant by the start of football season, or really the start of training camp, because if you're not relevant by the start of training camp, nobody even knows you exist. And then high school football shows up, so everybody in Texas is consumed by high school football. They love college football. I mean, in Dallas, you have so many UT grads. you got Texas A&M grads. The SMU's program's kind of been back for years now. You just get swallowed up by football. So you need to be relevant. So they got the new building where they made sure they're going to play all 81 games because they couldn't do that before. That was always a big problem. They have so many storms, so much rain. so much, I mean, it's, it's awful. The weather is awful. But now they're, they're guaranteed every single game. So they fixed that problem. They went out and they spent the money, and now they're in the World Series. And they've made a lot of aggressive moves. So to Texas Rangers and their fan base, I apologize. My opinion was wrong. And I think it's important on this show to have accountability. That if we're going to have big opinions, because you guys might not remember, which I understand, but I went all in on this. Like, you guys got to be the dumbest. Like I was lambasting the Texas Rangers over these signings. And how do you make these signings worthwhile? You got to win. And you go to the World Series. 
And now you start to see that return on investment because when you go to a World Series and if you win it, boy, what that does for you for years to come. It sets you up, you make a lot of money, and it does a lot for your brand. It does a lot for your business, helps business growth, helps everything, right? Like all of a sudden, you got to realize, I, I know people don't view us as a business, but we are a business. So when you win, it's easier to sell tickets. It's easier to get sponsorships. It's easier to sell suites. It's easier to do all of the things, spring training, every, merch, everything that goes on in your organization becomes so much easier. So you know what, Cody? On this day, as a egomaniac talking head, I will admit I was 100% wrong. Their signings, got to give them a lot of credit and everything that they've done. I mean, even, you know, the Jacob deGrom thing is a, is a disaster, but, you know, they've gone all in and they've been rewarded for it as they're heading to the World Series. So that's number three on the list. Number four. Who did you pick out of the uh, a- a- ALCS? Uh, that would be the. Uh, I'm not. We're not going to bore you with the audio. Who would you pick? Yeah, the Astros in six. Hmm. How'd that work out? Yeah, it didn't. They can't win at home. It's inc- it's incredible. They couldn't win at home. You go home three two and you can't win. Well, you went to Texas down o two because you couldn't win. And then, well, they as we call road warriors. They had them right where they wanted them. And then That's Texas, what you were claiming. And then Texas had them right where they wanted them going back to you know, I almost feel like Deion Sanders. I got receipts. I got receipts on all of uh, – in our kind of little inner circle. I got all kinds of real Houston Astros receipts on my phones and texts. Because I did pick the Texas Rangers. Because God know I'm not picking the Astros. And I mean that 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 the whole question for the Texas Rangers is can they have bullpen? Because they've got a monster lineup, right? They're going to get some innings. Jordan Montgomery has been, Avaldi has been great. Kim, I mean, Scherzer's nothing, but <laughs> yeah, the fact that you've got so much out of it, we got the numbers on Avaldi and Montgomery have just been so huge. But if they could get any bullpen, which they have. Don't give me the expected bullpen ERA. I almost, I almost broke my television today watching MLB now. But congratulations to to uh, to Bruce Bochy, friend of this program, who's been on. You know, he was he was shown the door in San Francisco. Brian Sabian recently did a great interview with our buddy Larry Kruger on his YouTube page. And Brian Sabian basically has, you know, we it's not a whole lot of. Not a whole lot of love anymore. I mean, those men won three World Series titles with San Francisco. They were shown the door. And as we're seeing with Bob Melvin now coming in, not going to be hard to get the Giants manager now, huh? No, no, no. It's a good – good. Uh, He's already booked. We booked Bob Melvin for the winter meetings already, but that was Padres yeah. manager. <laughs> so we will have the Giants manager at the winter meetings. He's booked. Bob Melvin will be joining us in Nashville. Um, we'll get to that also, you know, how much we love Bob and our relationship with Bob will always be close. Um, but it just shows, you know, you ushered Bochi Sabian out. Look where, where, look where Bochi is. He's in the world series. It's pretty amazing. Two years ago, Texas lost 102 games. Two years later, they're in the world series. Two years ago, the Giants lost or won 107 games. Two years since the Giants haven't been over 500. And then I picked Arizona. We both did. Lo- oh, now you want to pe- – uh, Oh, the check your receipts. right. Check your receipts. 
Love, trust, and on the back of this, I, I've written it. Tori Lovello told us, love. I have the video if you want to play Trust, it. commitment, and effort. I don't have time. I'm trying to get through all this. Love, trust, commitment, and effort. I'm so happy for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm so happy for baseball. This is great for baseball. Immediately, we have a lot of people who cover our game from a data standpoint who do not understand what they say on X Twitter. They don't know what they're talking about. If people don't know, it is okay if somebody from the Northeast or Los Angeles does not make the World Series. It is okay. It is okay for the game. If a lot of you don't know, the four teams that we just had in the league championship series are all top 12 television markets. Now, you look at what people are saying on Twitter. Oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. I mean, oh, my God, these things. Do you not realize that the Texas-Fort Worth area is the fourth largest television market in the country? Or, excuse me, Philly is the fourth largest. Dallas-Fort Worth is fifth. You had two of the top five largest television markets in this. Houston is a monster city. They're like the fourth highest population. They're 10th in television markets. Now, just put it this way. Philly and and Dallas are both bigger than the Bay Area. We're sixth on the list. So we think of ourselves, oh, wait, and a lot of people said, you're fourth. We're not fourth. Television market, we're sixth. Philly's fourth. Dallas is fifth. Houston's 10th. And people act like Phoenix is podunk. Phoenix is 12th. When you start looking at Phoenix, Scottsdale, Tempe, Mesa, they've got millions of people down in the Valley of the Sun. That that league championship series made up of four of the top 12 television markets in the country. And, oh, by the way, as Cody sent me yesterday, I don't know if you have it off the top of your head, um, ratings were good. They, well, I mean, ratings were up. Yeah, it was uh, Diamondbacks Phillies game seven near, near the nine million viewer mark, most watched postseason game excluding the World Series since the Braves Dodgers game seven in the 2020 bubble. LCS viewership not only finishes up from last year but reaches a five year high. Now, I'm not sure with all the way like I was watching on my phone. Like, all the different ways, all the different platforms we can watch the games now. I'm not sure how they track everything. It just goes to show people are watching. And it's not doom and gloom. And now you have, oh, my God, this is tech. You have the fifth fifth largest television market going up against the 12th largest, right? It is amazing how people have tried to make this out like this is some podunk matchup. You're like, no, when it comes to – and you know what? I think this is great for baseball because we're talking about today, we're talking about how good these teams are. We're talking about the managers. We're talking about the players. We're talking about the stories. You know what we're not talking about? Front offices. We're not talking, I mean, 
so much like, oh, my God, Theo Epstein is so brilliant. Oh, my God. We're not talking about the baseball nerds. We're talking about the players. We're talking about the sport. We're talking about, you know, how people have overcome, how people have gotten here. And that's what we love. We're talking about baseball, the actual sport of baseball. That's where football is so brilliant. Football, no one's talking about the guys up in the luxury suites, the analytics guys. No one talks about that during a football game. You're talking about the blocking, the tackling, the stories, the hard hits, the touchdowns. That's You focus on that. We're focused on that. We're not focused on data. We're focused on the baseball stories. These are, these are, these are managers. We know Bruce Bochy is a great leader of men. Tori Lovello is talking about love. Effort, trust, commitment, but he's talking about love. What's the analytic? We'll ask. Well, I've asked Eno Saris multiple times now. He's never given me the answer. Give me the analytics for love, trust, commitment, and effort. What are they? They don't have that. That's what the Diamondbacks are built on. His other thing is great, too. A connected team is a dangerous team. I love when he says that. It's about human beings coming together and playing, and we love that because we all understand. We work in offices. We had a great meeting yesterday with our social people i mean people who work together like each other vibe together perform better together and what a lot of our i mean i got so much data here that i mean i guess i'll get to at some point some are some really cool notes but what it shows is this regular season thing this complaining about the regular season who cares here's the best thing We've heard a lot about the playoffs are random, okay? Winning in the playoffs is random. I'll challenge everybody with this. Is it random, or what's the state of your roster at this time? When we head to the postseason, you're not playing any bad teams. You're not catching, you know, know, this whole thing like who's hurt, who's not. Uh, this team's coming off of a 12-game road trip. None of the none of the stuff happens. The regular season, to me, the regular season has the most randomness. I mean, how many teams? How many? We got teams who spend money, teams who don't spend money. We got you know, we got teams that are using 60 players. I mean, the Braves use 53 players. They won the most games. 53 different guys suited up for, for the Braves this year. You want to talk randomness? The postseason really is about, and people go, it's, ah, getting hot. I'm not even going to go there. What I'm going to say what the postseason is about is what's the state of your roster at this point? Doesn't matter what the state of your roster looked like in May or June or July. What do you look like today? We're putting on the uniforms, and we're going out for battle today. Where are you today? You're 107 wins, and you racking up wins in April and May. That means nothing at this point. Where are you when the tournament starts? And everybody wants to be, well, we need to reseed. We need to do it. You know what you need to do? You need to show up and play well when the tournament starts, right? We as consumers, we're right because we're the ones that pay for this. We're the ones that love to watch this. And I do point at me because I spend a lot of money on baseball. Where are you when the tournament starts? When the Masters starts and they tee it up, where's your game? 
Where's Tiger? How's Tiger or Jack Nicholas playing? They're usually playing pretty damn good. Don't tell me how good you were in April. Don't tell me how good you were in May, in June, and I'm not giving you some major reward. I'll give you home field. By the way, you want to know how home field worked this year, folks? Home teams this year in the postseason, 14 and 22. What was that stat you had for me? Or did I send that to you? Which one? The one on the home teams. It's more. They send each other a lot of stuff. I, didn't. I know. <laughs> Jesus. Now, it was recent. Whatever. The Astros won one home game this postseason. One. One, po- one postseason home game. Now, they were road warriors. Yeah, the home team is 14-22 and 22 this postseason. That's a 63-99 and 99 pace for 162. Home team was terrible. We gave you home field advantage. Like, how much more advantage do you need? Do you want the other team to play with the right arm behind their back? Do you want to start with a three-run lead? Like, what What do you need? We want tournaments. We love tournaments. The NFL is a tournament. The NBA is a tournament. College basketball is a tournament. We're, we're now going to get a tournament in college football. That's what we want. You want to talk about the regular season? My God, this isn't Kansas City in July, and I hate to say it. This isn't Oakland in August. This is the best of the best. And if you don't bring your A game, it's not about randomness. What's the state of your roster? I'll tell you the state of the Braves. Their pitching stunk. The Dodgers, their pitching stunk. Like this, What's the state of your roster when the postseason starts? Well, guess what? That was a long flight from Seattle to Tampa for the Rangers. And you know what the Rangers said? You know what? I got a bad taste in my mouth. You've heard them all say it. It kind of bugged them. What happened in Seattle? They popped the champagne on Saturday, lost it on Sunday, and then they had to fly their asses all. That's a long flight. What is that? Seven hours? Probably. Because Florida to here is six. That's like another. That's like that's like seven. Scott Emerson, for God's sakes, the pitching coach of the Oakland Athletics, is with us. Emo, have you ever had to? Have you guys ever gone from Tampa to Seattle? I gotta think that's like seven, seven and a half. Man, we said we had some long flights, but I, I can't recall doing uh, doing Tampa to Seattle. But uh, man, when when you're making some of those flights, I mean, Oakland to Tampa is a not a not an easy flight either. No, no, it's a long flight. Um, you, I, I saw you in the background. You heard what I was saying. To me, I don't want to hear about randomness. I don't want to say who's the hottest. I think the best way to put it is: What is the state of your roster? at the start of every series in the postseason. And to me, yeah, you're, you're, and you've been a part of it, you, you've been a part of pre- preparation. Just talk about how you guys going into the postseason, you've been through it, scouting the other team, scouting your own team. Stop talking about the randomness. It's like, where is your roster right now when the tournament starts? Yeah, I think, you know, I think you nailed it with a home field advantage. You know, I think when, when you get into that playoff, uh, scoring first is important. Try to get out of the gate and score first and hold the lead. Uh, but, uh, you know, your roster wants to be as good as it can be at the end of the season. And that's why, you, you know, you're playing the season to, to be as good as you can possibly be. And then putting guys in, you see uh, some of these teams, they're calling up guys who uh, had with the left-handed reliever with Arizona had 10 games in the big leagues. And, and they said the other night he was pitching in his eighth playoff game. So who gets hot at the end of the season? What players are, are riding the wave in a good way at the end of the season? 
are the guys that obviously you want to have on that postseason roster. Now, here's a couple nuggets for you, which, I mean, you out-homer the other team. You're 21-4 and four in the postseason. That's – I think we all get that. I, I, you tell me, though, this is – you just mentioned you score first. Teams that score first are 27-9. and nine. That's a 750 winning percentage. Just tell me, I, Arizona's seven and uh, Texas is seven and zero. Arizona's six and zero. Both are unbeaten when they score first. Uh, it could be just I one. Mean, it could be just one run. But what, what, what's the deal? I mean, you're you're looking at uh, human factor as well. You know, uh, the game changes when you're behind. You're 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 fighting to get back into the game. Players are pressing. You know, the numbers aren't lying there either of what you just said. So, you know, it, it's a little easier to pitch with the lead. It's a little tougher to hit when you're behind because the pressure gets on you. And, and you know, when pressure is on, it's just a different different type of ball game. You look at the regular season compared to the playoffs, and you see that the style of baseball is just a little bit different. So, you know, score first. Get out of the gate first. And then you can align your bullpen any way you please. And bullpen has been really a, a great story for both of these teams because Arizona found their bullpen. Their bullpen's been real strong. And Bruce Bochy, I mean, he's coming in here with the most blown saves we've ever seen for a team in the World Series, what they had during the regular season. But all of a sudden, Bruce Bochy has found a couple guys uh, LeCurk, obviously, Spores, he's found some guys that he's been able to rely on. But both these bullpens, I mean, you don't get here without these bullpens making it happen. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the teams that we had in the playoffs and how good our bullpens were. And, uh, you know, bullpens in general, uh, unless I, I've seen it wrong over the last few years, but have went, won 51% of your games. Yeah. So they're right in the thick of the game. Uh, it's important that first guy that comes into the game shuts that game down. You know, he doesn't get as much credit as that guy who's closing the game at the end, but sometimes you need that closer to be that first guy in who kills the other team's momentum. And I think that's going to be important for both teams uh, leading into this World Series is what reliever can come in and kill the momentum of the other team. Arizona 2.76 ERA this po po this postseason. Texas with a 3.72 ERA. So uh, definitely, and that 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 kind of becomes for Bruce Bochy the question, and something I do want to get in into with you today about third time through a pitcher going third time through the lineup. But sometimes the decisions, like when you don't have a strong deep bullpen, you've got to rely on your starters to go deep. And that could be a strength or a weakness for the Texas Rangers. What have you just seen? And you know the Rangers better than than most. You, you play against them in division. You've prepared against them. Uh, so far, what you've seen from the starters for the Texas Rangers? You know, obviously, Evaldi's one of the best out there. He, he's having a really good playoff. You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, when you get into these playoff series, you're, you're, you're looking for guys to go out there and, and – get you as deep as they can, keep the game close. I mean, Jordan Montgomery's got a 2-1-6 ERA, I believe, in the playoffs, 25 innings pitched. He's pitched really well. What they do is they throw strikes. They make the hitters uh, try to be on the uh, attack mode on them, and then they can get swing and miss off of that. 
So I think Texas, you know, you got you got Evaldi, Montgomery, and Max Serger. I mean, you're you're throwing out three real good quality starters, and to, and and the Diamondbacks, they're throwing out some good starters as well. I mean, when you got Gallon out there and, and uh, uh, Kelly doing their thing, I think it's going to be a, a really good series. And what can the guys do? How deep can they get them? Now, obviously, the Diamondbacks feel really good about their bullpen right now. So they're going to yeah. play that matchup game after the fifth, maybe, maybe the sixth. Uh, Texas, you know, Max, went, uh, I think, what did he go, three innings the other day? And then they went to the, 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 um, the, to the bullpen immediately. Now what you got is you got a seven-game series. So you got two games in a row. You got an off day. That first game, you know, you're down four or five. You may go to the back end of your bullpen. You're down two or three. You got to play that game to win right now. You know, not that you're not playing every game to win, but you don't want to burn a, a guy who may have to pitch in game two, two or three innings in game one in a losing situation at some point. But one thing with Texas and that powerful offense that they have is how what is striking distance for them? So I, I think the way these teams use their bullpen, yeah. uh, but their starters as well. I mean, you know, I, I go back to the uh, Grady Little days of Pedro Martinez and Pedro telling him, I'm good, I'm good. You've got a Hall of Famer out there telling you he's good. That's that's some pressure decisions for uh, for uh, managers. You know, it's not that easy. You know, you got Max Serger out there who's a, who's a Hall of Fame pitcher in my mind. And Bochy's got to go out there at some point in time and pull the trigger on him and bring somebody else in the game. That's not easy. So, um, but I think, you know, when you're in the World Series or even in the playoffs, the egos are checked out at the door. You come in to play to win the game. Not that you don't do it during the regular season. It's just done a little bit differently. Uh, but, you know, I think guys just go out there. They go as hard as they can, as long as they can. Texas right now kind of reminds me of uh, not too long ago, the St. Louis Rams, the greatest show on turf with Kurt Warner, where they boom, 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 it's 21 nothing before you know it. And next, you know, you're on your heels, and you're like, this game's over. I mean, it's amazing the firepower that they have. But when you look at Seawald, Ginkle, Saul Frank, Thompson, Mantiply, am I missing anybody with, with, with – uh, Arizona, this bullpen that they have, especially Ginkle's been incredible. I mean, he was a guy that was sit down at one point, comes back. I mean, so when you talk about having that deep bullpen, also talk about what that means when you have these days off with that. You're not playing seven straight days. You're going two games, day off, three games, day off. How much does that help you? And as a pitching coach, what's the strategy with that? Well, I, I think, you know, it, it's talking to the pitchers before the game. Are you good? I mean, I remember Liam Hendricks in our playoff series against the White Sox. He, I believe it was two and a third or, or two and two thirds. He finished the game and the next day he said, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I feel so good to go to the game. I can pitch for you, but I, I don't know how great I'm going to be. And, and I was like, I'll take Liam Hendricks at 70% right now uh, in a one inning game. And that next day he went out there and he was throwing 100 miles an hour harder than he's throwing all season, right? So the adrenaline to, to be yeah. able to talk uh, to your guys. And and Grinkle, this guy's pitched in uh, eight games already, nine innings in the playoffs. He's punched out 13 and he's walked two. This guy's a go-to guy right now. This is somebody that I believe that, uh, you know, you want to get the ball to guys that are hot, you know. And, and like I said, with the starters, 
you know, the game has changed. I know we talked about third time through, but when you're in a seven game playing for the World Series, playing for that ring that everybody, you know, grew up thinking about, it's, you know, how are we not going to let the game get out of hand? Uh, Are we going to have guys warming up? Even a guy that's having success and he's in the fourth inning, but there's a matchup issue, uh, three or four hitters down, you have to be ready for that situation. Because if the matchup says this guy is way better than the guy on the mound, it's something that you got to consider. Now, your eyes will tell you things as well. You're watching the game. You know, you got to, you know, that's why managers get paid the big bucks. Townie, they're out there. They got to make these very important decisions based off of numbers, based off heart, based on what they're seeing during the game. This guy's rolling. This guy's pitching really good. I'm keeping him out there. Or this guy's teeter-tottering a little bit. I got to have the bullpen ready to go. And I can't be out of that, that game on one swing. And that's what I was telling you about earlier with the Texas Rangers. You know, the Texas Rangers, they got two guys on and Seager's up. You got a right-handed pitcher and your left-handed matchup guy is your best guy in the fourth or fifth inning. How soon do you go to it? Because one swing of the bat, Seager hits a three-run homer. You're down three, and that could be the knockout punch. So managers have to decide it's not easy. Uh, Numbers don't lie, and what you're seeing at that present time doesn't lie. And I think on the last episode we talked about is do what you do all season, but maybe shorten it up a tad. Well, you say the managers make a lot of money. You're not living in that nice house in North Carolina because you're working for free. And I know that manager is going to be asking you a lot of those questions. I have the numbers in front of me. Starting pitchers, third time through the order. Now, this is all the starting pitchers, so this is they're kind of skewed, right? Certain guys are different than other guys. Um, it's funny, second time through the order, starting pitchers this postseason, they've been better than the first time they faced the guy and the third time. The second time is when they've been the best. But how much of it is the guy on the mound is the known right now? I'm watching him. You, can, I can have these numbers and go, yeah, third time through the order, slug goes up, on base goes up, average goes up. Okay, but the guy on the mound, I'm watching him mow through this team. The numbers may tell me to do something, but the guy warming up in the bullpen is technically the unknown because I don't know what he's going to have coming in. So talk, talk me through that process, manager, pitching coach, our eyes tell us that it's about getting outs. I need outs. I don't care how you get them. Striking out, grounding out. I need 27 outs to win this game. I got a guy out here who's mowing the team down. He's got 75, 80 pitches, third time through the lineup. I've got a known commodity who's throwing the ball well on this night, and I got an unknown commodity warming up in the bullpen. I don't know what he's bringing. Data says bring him in, but I don't know. Talk us through that discussion. Man, is it like like you just said, it's really not that easy. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's why your eyes have got to tell you something. The scoreboard tells you something. Um, like you said, who's down in that bullpen? Who's pitching right now? You got your number one pitcher out there on the mound, and he's been doing it all season long. It, it's kind of hard to go to that bullpen in the fifth or sixth inning, or or, or in the fifth for sure. It's it, it really is. Uh, but you also got to think about, you know, how, how much am I going to go through this bullpen 
and what do I got for tomorrow? Now, me personally, in the playoffs, there is no tomorrow. You play every game to win the game, and when that situation comes up, uh, that's when you got to make those important decisions. You got to cover every situation. You know, sometimes during the regular season, you're in the fifth inning and you're like, hey, I just need this guy to get through this inning. I don't want to kill the bullpen, maybe for tomorrow. Well, in the playoffs, there is no tomorrow. Win today. You win today and then you got tomorrow. You lose today, you have tomorrow and you have an off day. So you got two days in a row to unload your 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 best pitchers that you feel are your best matchups at that present time to win this game, knowing you have them tomorrow and knowing you have them on an off day. And look, these guys are big leaguers. I can tell you when they get to the playoffs, three, four days in a row, if they had to pitch, they're going to pitch. They know what's on the line. They know in another six days they're out fishing or, or hunting or doing whatever, and then that's when they can recover, playing some golf, hitting them into the trees like I do. But it's important that these guys you know, are ready for that situation. You don't know when they're going to come in the game yet. They don't. They have an idea because you've prepped them like, hey, you need to be ready for these lefties, and then you need to be ready for this pinch hitter with this three-batter matchup. You know, you got to face some guys. You might come in thinking you're two out of three versus a lefty, and then all of a sudden, bam, they turn the switch on you, and they bring in the two righties. And that's the one thing that we don't talk about uh, enough here uh, is not only the pitching, but how the opposing manager flips it and brings in the two right-handed hitters. Always, you always, I, I figure, you know, you have a you have a three-batter matchup. You want the lefty to be able to come in and face two out of three for sure that are lefties. But then you also have a wipeout factor. There's two outs, and he's got to come into the game and get this out. You're coming into the game to face Seager left on left. Well, you're going to get Seager, right? And uh, that's two outs. That's the guy you have to get. That's the left-hander. He has to come and get Seager. Now you've got Seager maybe with Garcia behind him with two outs. You got to get Seager, or he has to face Garcia. So there's so much uh, 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 gamemanship going on between the managers thinking, well, if I do this, he's going to bring him in. If I do that, he's going to bring him in. So there's constant preparation going on for the game on both sides. And when you decide to make that matchup change, and when the other guy decides to flip the script, is what's going on. Now, the thing that gets me about that, though, is benches are smaller than ever before because of the panic of having to have 8,000 pitchers down in the bullpen. Even though we expanded the rosters to 26, you still have a limited bench because you got to have a backup catcher, too. How much has that helped from a pitching standpoint that, you know, back in the day when you first started or like all the days we would have Ray Fossey on and Ray Fossey's like, we only had an eight-man bench. We only had an... What, we only had an eight-man staff. The rest was all position players. They used to have far more options coming off the bench in yesteryear baseball than, than you do now. Yeah, you know, that's definitely changed. You got an, you got an eight-man bullpen down there, and uh, in the playoffs, maybe more because you, you, you might go with three starters instead of five. You, you, you could go with your four starters, so you're sending an extra guy down to that bullpen. But like I said, when is the opposing manager going to flip the script on the pitcher and start unloading with his right-handed hitters? He's got an opportunity. He's got runners on base. More so, he's probably going to do it in today's game. And like I said, a little bit earlier, you know, the World Series, you got left on left. 
Seeger's staying out there. Uh, Lowe's probably staying out there. Uh, but you you got a, another yeah. left-handed hitter. Uh, Tavares may not stay out there. He may not stay out there. Bases loaded, one out in the fourth inning. They might bring in the pinch hitter now. So now you've got a, a, a certain different matchup. I think, you know, at, at runs, you need runs. You need to try to score them in the playoffs as soon as possible. And that's what we talked about earlier about score first. Yeah, and that was one of the criticisms of, of Dusty Baker, uh, Martin Maldonado, who had not been swinging the bat well for really the entire second half, got a lot of key at-bats with runners on. They didn't capitalize, and that's one of the one of the things Dusty's taking some heat. Let's talk about a red-hot player. You know, I, I looking at the notes here, and it's historical, obviously, what Adolis Garcia is doing. He was the ALCS MVP he, he had a 1,102 OPS at 327. Uh, that's what he's done so far in 12 playoff games, along with being the ALCS MVP. 20 RBIs in 12 games, seven, seven home runs in those 12 games. I mean, he hits one more home run, he ties a record. He gets one more RBI, he ties a record for postseason history, putting him up there with guys like Lou Gehrig and stuff. Uh, when you've got a red-hot guy in the lineup, you know he's seen it like a beach ball. How do you as a staff, when you have your meetings with the pitchers, whether it's starters or relievers, how do you say, this guy can't beat us? How do you go after him? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, always, you're always talking about, you know, this guy can't beat us. And then you got to figure out, okay, well, who's sitting behind him? You know, who, does that guy beat you? Uh, left on left? Right on right. Does he beat you right on right? Or does he, you know, left on right, he may not beat you. So there's, there's, that's where the data is so important to understand. Okay. Is he a reverse split guy or is he a, 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 um, a right on right or left on left guy or left on right guy? But, you know, you're trying to always, uh, always avoid damage. I, I've always believed that good pitchers can, um, you know, attack a hitter's weakness with a strength. If he doesn't have a strength and you got to go strength on strength and you got bases open, you may be you know, hoping he chases more pitches than not. You know, you're, you're, you're pitching a little bit more to the shadow zone and deep in or, or down and away off, hoping he's anxious and he chases. Look, he wants to swing the bat. We all know that. He's got one homer, you say, one RBI away from records. Yeah. I mean, he probably knows that too. Maybe he's going to be over aggressive. You know, the best hitters in the game, take what you give him. And when you're streaky, you just hope they were on the streak before you even showed up. You know, that's that's the best thing about what the Diamondbacks can say is his streak is behind him. We're starting a whole new series and a whole new building uh, in Arizona or in Texas, and, and hopefully we can get him off that streak. Did you know that this is the first ever World Series where both teams play, I've never heard this, climate control venues wow that's that's uh that's all awesome. the humidifier right no it's the uh, retractable roof and, and they got you know the, we're on turf we're on turf fields uh both have ro uh, roofs open and closed uh, i'm guessing they're going to keep the roofs closed i i know what texas played one game at the playoffs with the roof open does that make a big difference you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that uh, probably during the day it does, especially in Texas. Is it the wind uh, in swirling? Arizona. Is it wind? 
Can the wind um, get no, in? No, you know, I, I don't really feel the wind in those places because uh, how high their stands are in the yeah. wall. And, and um, you know, you know, the same thing in Oakland. You really don't – I don't really feel the wind in Oakland because of Mount Davis and how high the sides are. It's, it's when the uh, center field is kind of open. And then uh, I feel like some fields uh, – the wind can come in and twirl around a little bit, but I doubt it in Arizona and Texas because they do have back walls. I'm thinking you're from Arizona. Open up the roof. It's beautiful this time of year. That'd be awesome. Man, no, keep it closed. Too, too dang hot. No, it's probably great weather in both spots right yeah. now. Uh, this yeah. time of the, this is their best time of year. This time of the year, you look at the desert, whether we're talking Arizona, the Southwest. This is the best time of the year for their weather, right? So it's like, uh, oh yeah, open up the roof, no question about it. Um, Probably high seventies, low eighties. When you think about, you know, so much of baseball has been about how smart people are, and I'm not trying to get on that. I, I analytics are are important to all business. I try and tell people that we in the restaurant business have data and analytics. Everybody uses analytics. Everybody uses data. Whatever you want to say. But sometimes it's been overblown, and when teams have success, they want to give all the credit to that. I I, I kind of like the fact that this World Series, because I know I know how important you think analytics are, but how you help your pitchers mentally, how you help them grow as men, as people, you're a teacher. I think about leaders like Bochi, Tori Lovello. Tori Lovello's talking about love, for God's sakes. Love. How many times do we ever hear teams talk about love? I like the fact that we're talking about the stories of baseball, about playing baseball, and we're not talking about spreadsheets about these two teams. Am I right or wrong on that? Well, I mean, I, you know, for me, analytics has been around forever. It just was called stats. It's just changed. You know, there's there's numbers that have just changed, you know, uh, you know, you have to value the numbers uh, because the numbers at the end of the season just don't lie. But what you have to do is you got to prioritize your numbers. Like what's happening in the, in the present uh, doesn't always mean what's going to happen in the future and doesn't always mean what's happening in the past. You, you know, uh, that's the one thing, that, you know, that you really have to kind of look at is how far am I going to go in advance uh, uh, or, uh, you know, how far back am I going to look at a hitter's uh statistics and how, how much video am I going to look at and back? Like I said, the good hitters change. They're constantly changing. They're making adjustments. They, 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 uh, like I'd be looking at Garcia's swing path where he's standing in the box right now. Uh, what's he doing different? Uh, he he's gotta be doing something. Maybe it's just mental, maybe, but there's probably a physical part of it. So is, is, has, has Tim hires changed his swing? Has he done something approach-wise? Is he taking more pitches early in the count? Is he laying off more breaking balls? You know, those are the analytics that you have to look at as well. And, and analytics is a huge part of the game. It's just what numbers are you putting first? You know, I think, uh, you know, there, there's there's gyro degrees on a baseball, the top spin of a ball. I, I really don't look at that as much as I look at spin efficiency and the spin access, height and horizontal release, and those types of things. Because you've got to prioritize a certain bunch of numbers, what what you and the organization like. And then there's just some numbers where you just kind of throw it out the door and, and they're not as important to you. 
You know, uh, you know, I, I'll give you an example. Uh, there are there are some really good hitters that have negative swing numbers in every count. They just don't swing that much. But when it's inside the strike zone, they swing. And when it's their pitch, they swing. So those are numbers you have to look at. So, you know, me, I love the data. It's okay. What data am I going to use? And and that's that's the important part because. If we're using data that's you know useless that players can't handle, there, there, there's realistic numbers that that we have, and then there's just numbers that are just kind of kind of tough to follow. Yeah, I feel like I'm at a driving range right now, and I'm where do I take the club back here? Where do I take it here? Where do I take it here? What do I think about here? What do I think about here? What do I think? How do I stand? How do I align? Where's my ball position? Ah, and we lose track but, of hit the ball at the target. Simple. Well, you know, you, Hit the you, ball know how the much data, you know how much data we have on the field uh, oh. using our track man. Uh, like, and, at what point, uh, like at what point do you tell a guy, you know what, take all this, throw it out the goddamn window, and go get somebody out. Get somebody well, out. That, that, I, I, I love that. I love that. But look, look, when we're on the field and we're experimenting, that's just experimentation. Right. Yeah. So those numbers are going to be a little bit different. You have to take the game numbers, what the guys can you do in the game, how they, you know, we know, we know that the spin rates, you know, the, the looser uh, rotation of the ball, the ball is going to tend to drop more. The, the, the more you can backspin it and it spins with better efficiency, it's going to stay up more. The Magnus force is going to keep it up. We know all this stuff. But you're right. Instead of trying to make your pitches better, make better pitches. Get out there and put that slider down and away. Put that slider below the zone and see if you can get a chase. Crash the guy up and in so you can keep your sliders down and away. Count advantage. Get ahead with strike one. Win the 1-1 one, one count. Those are all things that are being preached from, I hope, all 30 major league teams. Like, hey, I got to throw enough strikes. I got to be in good counts. That for me is is important then we get to move on and go okay how can we build this guy's arsenal now that he knows how to throw strikes well i, I a great example is game seven zach wheeler comes in there's no date on him he's never he's never come out of the bullpen you had no idea what you're getting you just said big boy i need some outs go out there and blow it by everybody right we never seen him yeah, come I out think- of the. we never seen it zach wheeler had never come out of the bullpen his entire career until game seven yeah, I mean, I, I bet he came out of uh, uh, the bullpen in a uh, uh, college summer league if he went to college or or in high school. But these these guys that want to pitch, they don't care what they're – they just come out there and pitch. Zach Wheeler, I can guarantee you, was chomping at the bit down in that bullpen going, get me in this game a little bit earlier. Get me in this game as soon as possible because the real competitors, the elite guys can do it all. And, and, you know, I, I, I always tell this story about Chris Bassett when we were kind of, you know, having Bassett as a starter and Bassett as a reliever. And uh, Bassett called me one day and said, you know what, Emo, I don't care when I pitch. When you when the phone rings is when I'm going to pitch. And then towards the, the, the middle of the season, he started being a starter more. And boom, he, he ended up, uh, you know, not worrying about the little things, the things that he worried about is how good is my breaking ball right now? How good is my fastball? Can I execute these pitches? And when the phone rings, I'm going to go out there and do it. Yeah, let's end on this because I don't know how many people are talking about it, but Texas just lost three straight games at home to the Astros, right? They've done real well on the road, 
but they just lost three straight games at home. Uh, Arizona has been good at home this year. We know Arizona is an offensive ballpark. When this new ballpark first opened up in Texas, people looked at it and said either it was fair or more of a pitcher's ballpark. It's now statistically turned more into a hitter's ballpark. You've been there. What do you think? How do you view Globe, is it Globe Life Field or Globe Life Park? What is it? I think it's Field. Globe Life Field. field. How do you, do you view it as a pitcher's park, hitter's park? How do you view it? I actually think, you know, it's relatively fair. You know, when I first showed up during the pandemic, nobody's in the stands. It felt like a launching or not a launching pad, but a graveyard. Guys couldn't hit hit the ball. As, you know, I'm watching BP and I'm like, all right, all right. We can throw a little bit more heater here. We, we can pitch a little bit more to contact here. Uh, you know, balls weren't going anywhere. And then as the fans got in and I don't know if this means anything, but uh, over the years, now you're looking in right field is playing a little bit short. Left field can play a little short. Center field, you still got to hit it pretty good to get it out of center field, I feel like. But uh, for me, it's kind of a neutral ballpark. Now, Arizona, for me, is, is kind of a, an offensive ballpark. You get some balls up in the air, and, and especially, I think, to right field. Uh, and guys can kind of go the opposite field as well. Um, you know, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, Texas's offense, they can run in some things and hit some homers. I think Arizona plays a little bit more line drive gap to gap baseball and both teams are really, really good and they're tough to pitch to because they take what you give them. And, uh, you know, Texas has some guys that, that have big time power and, 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 you know, I see them more. So I don't know as much about Arizona, but when we played Arizona, I just felt like they were, they were the scrappy grinder guys that uh, put balls in play and ran down the line real hard. And, and Texas was more of the sit back and, and launch some homers, but uh, you know both both teams have been fun to watch play this uh, playoff. When's the next time we're When's the next time we're on? Uh, Monday. We'll talk to you on Monday. We'll be breaking All down right, the first. Guys. We'll be breaking down a good part of. Uh, we'll see where we are in this World Series. You enjoy, my friend. All right. Thanks for having me. The pitching coach Scott Emerson, right here on A's Cast Live. Coming up next, he's the A's historian, David Feldman. Will give us what is it the top ten? A's postseason moments. Are they all positive? We'll find out. I told you I don't know. Wow. We're flying blind here. Wow, the mystery next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better. All thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts, anything you need for summer. They have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. David Feldman is with us here, our A's historian. Of course, works around the broadcast. He's an MLB official scorer. He, at this point of the season, is knee-deep in Pac-12 football, taking care of uh, the Pac-12 network. Am I missing anybody? No, no. Right now, uh, yeah, babysitting the Pac-12 Network as we're in our, our final season, which is just sad. It is sad, but you're still doing a great job and bringing us the games. And uh, 
It's an interesting season in the Pac-12, no doubt about it. Dion's starting to call out his team. He's got receipts on his own team now. Yeah, you know, I, I like Dion a lot. We had a Colorado game a couple of weeks ago, and he was he was great with us. I got him talking baseball, which was a lot of fun, and he, he, he was talking about one of his few regrets was not playing baseball full time. To seeing yeah. what that would have been like, and uh, he was yeah, he was terrific. But he's you know, it's a tough first season. You get off to a great start. You're the talk of football. You're on the cover of Time Magazine. But your team's really not that good yet. I mean, the players that he has, these are not all D1 players. They will be. The recruiting and the transfer portal and everything else, he's going to have a heck of a team. But it's still growing pains. And having all that success early, I think, makes these growing pains hurt a little bit more. He so gets it. I mean, obviously, Dion has been in the spotlight ever since his days really in high school, then at Florida State, then as a number one pick, NFL Hall of Famer, then working for the NFL Network. He's just so good with the media. Uh, Asks about, you know, tough battles, tough this. He goes, I've been divorced twice. You kidding me? I know all about confrontation. (laughs) I was like, you know what? Exactly. This is college football, man. I've been through way more than this. I I absolutely love it. Hey, your Trojans, their defense stinks. It still stinks. Your Trojans stunk last year on defense. San Jose State, we exposed it week one. Now Utah. Uh, SC gets all these recruits where they can't get guys who tackle. You know, again, first, not my Trojans, never been a USC fan, (laughs) never will be a USC fan. Who is your, Um, can you have, as someone who works for the network, can you have a favorite Pac-12 team? I think there's teams that we root for more than than others. I think that's fair to say, just because of, you know, growing up in Pac-12 country here in the Bay Area with Cal and Stanford, there was always a feeling for, for those schools first, and you want those schools to succeed. Um, and then always hating USC. Firstly, as a kid growing up, I hated USC because of their colors. You know, that's what you hate when you're a kid. I didn't like that maroon color, so I'm not going to like USC. Um, but their defense is terrible. Uh, Lincoln Riley is sort of a weak head coach. Some of the stuff that he's been pulling down there in L.A. Uh, might get away with that in Oklahoma. You know, as, as Bo Walton will say, in some truck stop town, you can get away with that stuff. Can't get away with that stuff in L.A. You're getting called out trying to control the media and this other stuff. And it's coming back to haunt him quickly. Um, he's got problems down there and they're at Cal this weekend. Uh, this has always been a big rivalry. I would not be surprised if Cal pulls the upset. I really wouldn't. I think Cal could, could win this week. What? Yeah. My yearly trip to Berkeley. We see Cal and USC. Whoa, 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 whoa. We could, uh, We'll talk off air about that because there could be some – I got kids going to college. This could be an interesting thing. Um, one more thing uh, about the Pac-12 when it talk about our Bay Area teams, there's still a lot of rumblings and not people happy in the ACC. That is a conference I don't know if you or Cody knows is on the Atlantic they're they're over there in the on the there's the Atlantic Ocean that conference way over there that's teams like Boston College and Pitt and, and Wake Forest. You ever heard of Wake Forest? The Demon Deacons or um, there's a lot of still a lot of talk about how they're not thrilled with everything going on. How how yeah. how I don't know, how, how, I don't know how I should put it. How solidified, how guaranteed, like the Stanford, Cal, ACC thing. Where, where are you out on that? Yeah, it's, you know, a lot of the ACC schools didn't want to expand. And the only reason they were able to vote for it was they were going to get more money. As, as always, that's what makes all the decisions, right? Money. 
and Stanford and Cal and SMU are going to, you know, not get full shares. I mean, Cal and Stanford get 30% of a full share for the first Ooh. seven years. Oh. Um, that's the type of money hit they're taking for the other schools to make money in the ACC and for, you know, Stanford will be fine. Cal, it's going to hurt. And, you know, the travel is a, is a legitimate concern. Um, you know, these schools don't want to travel out to the West Coast, not as much as Stanford and Cal want to go to the East Coast. It's it's not a good situation. The geography is screwed up. Um, I can still see eventually um, football kind of spinning off into its own thing, and there'll be their own power conferences, whatever you want to say, and we'll get back more to a ge- ge- geographical locations for the other sports. I still think that is what's going to happen in the coming years. Yeah, because you got teams in the ACC who have national championship aspirations and traveling out west to a place like Stanford or Cal can be trap games, and it takes one loss by Florida State or Clemson for them to go, see, we had to travel all the way. Yeah, so you could just, all righty. Now it is time for A's Top Ten with our A's historian, the great David Feldman. What is our top ten list today? So, I mean, it's postseason baseball time. There's there's no better time, right, postseason baseball. Yep. Um, and the A's have been fortunate enough since moving to Oakland. They've been to the postseason 21 out of their 56 seasons. That's, that's a lot. That's pretty good. That's a lot. You know, that's a lot of postseason baseball. The White Sox have been um, around for 120-something years, and they've only been to the playoffs, what, 11 times? Yeah. I mean, this is – it's special what we've had in Oakland and now we're in a downturn and we've been in these downturns before, but, but 21 trips to the postseason. So we thought it'd be fun to look back and not just sort of specific game performances, right? Just some games that just stick out by a, by a player or a couple players in a game that to me are, that was what made A's postseason baseball special. Um, yeah. We've been on the wrong side of a couple of iconic postseason plays that we have to see over and over and over again. But The A's have had plenty of good, iconic plays as well that just don't get talked about as much. All righty, your honorable mention. Yeah, you know, there's been a lot of a lot of great moments in the postseason. I, you know, we look back the '88 World Series, Mark McGuire walk-off home run. The A's have only had seven postseason walk-offs in Oakland history. Uh, McGuire has one of the two postseason walk-off homers. And the other was Campy Campanaris. Campanaris is an honorable mention. You look at his game two and game three of the 1973 ALCS. Game two, he hits a leadoff homer. Game three, he hits a walk-off homer. Wow. You know how many other players have done that in one postseason series? Zero. One other guy, Lenny Dykstra, ended up doing it for the Mets in the 86 NLCS. 86? Against what? Yeah. Against, against the Astros? Against the Astros, wow. he had a lead off and a walk off. That's it. Can't be in him. Cody wasn't uh, even bo- Cody wasn't even born. Yeah, he missed a lot of good things. Cody. I, can, I can verify I was not born. You were not born. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other things that came just close: Terrence Long, Game One of the 2001 ALDS against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium, hits two homers. Terrence Long, one of them against Roger Clemens. You know, we talk about Dave Stewart's mastery of Roger Clemens, right? We've talked about that many times. But you look at Roger Clemens' career against the A's in the postseason. He's pitched against the A's in the 88 postseason, the 01 postseason. We're talking 14 seasons between, you know, postseason appearances. He's made seven starts against the A's in the postseason. 0-4, his team is 1-6. He's got a 5.56 ERA. Uh, It wasn't just Stewart that owned Roger Clemens. The A's 
had much success against Roger Clemens in the postseason. And that's um, against clean and dirty Roger Clemens. That's exactly that's both versions of Roger. Allegedly, Clemens. allegedly. So you know, great moments. Vita Blue Game Five, the seventy-two ALCS comes out of the bullpen, four shutout innings. Um, Dave Stewart, who will show up later in this list, but one of the great games was Game Five of the nineteen ninety-two ALCS. The A's lose a heartbreaker. In game four, they blew a four-run lead. Brutal game. That's the Alomar-Homer game. Game five, back to Oakland. And all Dave Stewart says to his teammates is, pack your bags. We're going back to Toronto. And he goes out there and throws a complete game and beats them. I just, that's Stu. That, that is, that's unbelievable. The third time through the order, you didn't take him out in the fifth inning? He didn't take him out. Stu wasn't leaving. He wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, but the numbers and, say. But the numbers <laughs> say. Yeah. Yeah. The numbers don't measure heart. Don't even get me started on that. All right, number 10. Number 10, we're going to go recent. We're going to go game three of the wild card series in 2020. The game that no fans were at. And I was lucky enough to be there in the stadium. And I can promise you, it was the most intense atmosphere I've ever been in, in a ballpark where there were no fans. You know, this is this is the do or die game. He has lost but how many in a row at that point? Nine do or die games in a row at that point. Just this has been their kryptonite. And they fall behind three nothing. And again, it's much like the Phillies the other night in a, in a do or die game, not being able to come up with the big hit, right? First inning, they leave two men on. Third inning, they leave the bases loaded. It's like it's not happening again. White so- and, wh- and White Sox got a little swagger going. They got swagger. Even though they made it a bullpen game, they're feeling good with their bullpen. There's nobody in the ballpark, but they got their buttons undone and chains are flying. They're they're feeling good, right? Eloy Jimenez, feeling good. Uh, Bottom of the fourth, two outs, runner on first, and Sean Murphy homers. And it just, it changed everything. And that homer makes it three to two. The A's aren't done yet. They rally, they load the bases, they get two bases loaded, walks to Canada and and, um Pinder, they 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 take the lead. White Sox tie it. Oh, Frankie Montas. I'm like, oh, here we go again. Bottom of the fifth. Another two-out rally, though. A walk, a catcher's interference. Another walk loads the bases for Pinder. Now, Pinder is the worst bases loaded hitter at that time in baseball history. Coming up to the plate with the bases loaded. She is the worst. Two for 35. Ooh. With 19 strikeouts. Oh, God. The only player close to that was Clayton Kershaw, who was two for 33. <laughs> you might not know this. Clayton Kershaw is a pitcher. That is a great stat. You're only worse than Clayton Kershaw. That's fun. Um, that is fun. Unbelievably, Pinder comes through. Base hit through the left side. Gives the A's the lead, and then it's Wendelkin, Trevino, Diekman, Soria, and then Hendrick finishing it off. Final four innings, shutting them out. But for Murphy and Pinder to come through with big hits in a do-or-die game, something the A's hadn't seen since game seven of the 1973 World Series, uh, that to me, that's number 10. Those performances stick out. It's hard to believe that Kershaw's come up to the plate that many times (laughs) with the bases loaded. Well, you know, he was one of those guys who got to face the order more than twice, too. So he got to be in the games a little longer. I mean, you talk about someone who didn't help themselves. (laughs) All right, number nine. 
Number nine, we're going to look back at another winner-take-all game, and that's game five of the 73 ALCS, the A's and the Orioles, right? This is Catfish Hunter. And the A's in game four, again, we don't talk about these series much in the 70s. There's not a lot of video. You don't see it all. But the A's had a 4 nothing lead in the seventh inning, right? They're, they're, they're nine outs away from going back to the World Series, and it falls apart. Bida gives up a three-run home run. Raleigh gives up a home run. The A's lose. You go to game five, and now Catfish takes them out. Catfish Hunter, this is the only shutout by an A's pitcher in a do-or-die game in athletics history. Athletics history. Five-hit shutout. Two walks, only one strikeout, typical catfish performance around the plate. Lots of traffic all the way through, but the Orioles go 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position. The A's win 3 nothing. Catfish, shutout, game five, do or die game, unreal. That's a grown man right there. A grown man taking care of his business. As you said, there might have been some people on, doesn't matter. Weak contact, utilize your defense. Shut out, throwing strikes. We're going to the World Series. Bye bye. Yeah, That's you know, Catfish. Big. He struggled with the Orioles in '71, uh, in a series that the Orioles swept. His one start, he gave up four home runs, which is another kind of a catfish thing. So, but to go out there against this this lineup, that Oriole lineup was stacked. Throw a five hit shutout, just awesome. That's why he's an Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, no doubt about it. Catfish Hunter. That's big. And those, you know, for a lot of us, I mean, we, we don't remember it, but I would have loved to watch all those battles because those great Oriole teams had Hall of Famers, the A's had Hall of Famers, All-Stars. Those teams were just, they, they were some of the greatest teams in the history of baseball uh, going after it. All right, number eight. Number eight, a couple, two more pitching performances. And this is, we're going to go to 1981 and the division series. Now there's a division series in 1981 because of the strike. We had a first-half winner, which the A's won in the West, and a second-half winner, which was the Royals. So the A's and Royals meet in a best-of-five-division best series. First starting in Kansas City. Mike Norris goes out there in game one, four-hit shutout. Again, just takes the ball. Al Michaels is doing the TV play-by-play. And who is this Mike Norris guy? And he just shuts him out on four hits. Wayne Gross hits a three-run homer. Murphy hits a solo shot. Four-nothing A's win. Is game that, two. Is, is that the game he says, do you believe in miracles? That wasn't the game. Oh, okay. But he, he could have said it. He didn't say it for that one. All right. Game two, it's Steve McCaddy's turn. Complete game. Six hits. Only gives up one run. The A's win two to one. Tony Armas drives in both runs. RBI double in the first. RBI double in the eighth. So Norris and McCaddy, back-to-back, complete games, allowing one run on the road, games one and two of playoff series. That is Billy Ball, the original Billy Ball. Your starter's taking the ball, and he's pitching the whole game. Yeah, Billy Bean would have been probably high school? 81, yeah. Or maybe high school. Almost junior high, maybe high school. Yeah, because he was drafted in the – yeah, something like that. All right, yeah, the original Billy Ball. Yeah. Going on the road – Going on the road, two guys, 18 innings, one run, kind of a big deal. Big deal. I mean, it was fantastic. Uh, they Eventually, they swept that series. They come home in game three. Rick Langford doesn't go nine innings. He only went seven and a third, so he was slacking. Number seven. 
Number seven, one of the one of the great moments in in A's playoff history, and that's Ramon Hernandez, Game One of the 2003 ALDS. This is the bunt off, the walk off bunt that came out of nowhere. As Bill King says, the element of surprise reigns supreme. This was a great baseball game. This was Game One. This was Tim Hudson versus Pedro Martinez. There was a oh. flyover before the game. Uh, Tim Hudson had always said, I want to fly over. I want to fly over. So they gave him a flyover, and that thing buzzed the Coliseum really low. Coliseum was rocking. You could feel the vibrations from that flyover. Uh, and the A's take a 3-1 lead on Pedro. Rubio Durazo, a big two-run double. Now you're feeling good, right? Late in the game, they take out Hudson. They bring in Ricardo Rincon, and he gives up a two-run homer to Todd Walker was Todd Walker's Todd second Walker. homer of the game. Todd Walker, future A. Uh, so now the Red Sox lead. The A's go to the bottom of the ninth. They're trailing. I don't think people remember this much. They go to the bottom of the ninth, trailing. And it's a Rubio Durazo again with a two-out single off of future athletic Alan Embry to tie the game. And now Keith Folk is on in relief for the A's. He throws three shutout innings. He hadn't thrown three innings all year. What did we he just switch three? rosters? <laughs> it's unbelievable, right? Top of the 12th, yeah. Rich Harden, rookie Rich Harden, is in there. He escapes a two-out jam. Eric Chavez makes an unbelievable play at third base to end the inning. So now you go to the bottom of the 12th. The A's load the bases with two outs. Ramon's up. And on 0-1 pitch against Derek Lowe, he lays down a bunt, a game-winning bunt. You know, Manny, you know how many bunt hits Ramon Hernandez had that season? Zero. He had zero. He tried a couple times, but zero. You know how many A's bunt hits they had for the team? Four. All year. Four. But this was not part of their, their offense. Bunting. No. And no. Wasn't allowed. No. By the way, how many catchers in the history of baseball have a walk-off bunt hit. In yeah, the, in him the, and uh, in the Jake boat. Taylor from the Indians when they when they beat the, the Yankees in that one-game playoff. That is great knowledge right there. Yeah, Willie Mays Hayes scored from second. That was a beautiful play. You may run like Mays, but you hit like uh, Jake Taylor. <laughs> the fact you just brought up Jake Taylor, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, that was a game. Game one, Ramon Hernandez, Jake Taylor. The old walk-off bunt. Walk off I love bunt. that. You know, you know why I love that? Because it's just, it's like all those different post-game shows where, where I got to listen to callers and stuff, and I go, listen, baseball is a game. It's 162 different games, and each game is different. You got to get 27 outs. You got to score more runs than the other guy, and sometimes just putting the ball in play and make their defense have to make a play. Wins you games. Not everything is we've got to walk and hit home runs and strike guys out. Just putting the ball in play. Make them have to do something. How many times do we see infielders boot it? Especially soft one. The Bermuda Triangle in between the first baseman, pitcher, catcher. Why we have to do all those PFPs. Like, put the ball in play. Make pitchers get involved. Make guys get involved. And all of a sudden, weird stuff happens. It's like, put, stop striking out bozos and put the ball in play. 
when you you know for me looking back at a lot of these box scores and i knew it at the time but it, it reinforces it as i look at it how many sacrifice bunts in postseason play there were and you're starting to see a little bit the diamondbacks did it the other night the phillies probably should have done it a couple times because you do need to put the ball in play and move runners and just get that one or two runs for an, on a per game basis putting the ball in play as you said is so important I mean, you look back in 92, there's Mark McGuire laying down a sacrifice bunt. There's Harold Baines laying down a sacrifice bunt. If the game called for it, you were bunting. That was that was what was happening because the A's needed a run. I will allow Cody a little bit later to spew his hate against the great, uh, the great city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, because he is not being a Pittsburgh guy. He hates Philly. But just uh, Bryce Harper, when everybody thought this was going to be a quick series and Philly is so great, and they're unstoppable. And uh, the wins this year for Philly, Bryce Harper hit 423 with a 1,559 OPS. And the losses hit .063. Jeez. 63 with an OPS. By the way, remember, that's on-base and slugging of 349. So if you think you're just going to always outslug everybody, Interesting how that happens, how the losses you see the big sluggers don't produce. Number six. Number six, we're going to the 2013 ALDS, game two. The A's lost game one to Max Scherzer, three to two. So you're on the ropes. you got to face Verlander, the guy who destroyed you in the 2012 postseason. And the A's take Sonny Gray to the mound. Rookie Sonny Gray. And neither pitcher blinks. Verlander, seven innings, four hits, 11 strikeouts, 117 pitches. Sonny Gray, eight innings, four hits, nine strikeouts, 114 pitches. Did he go to the hospital? He was fine. Okay. He was fine. Unbelievable performance by a rookie. And now we go to the bottom of the ninth. The A's load the bases with no outs. And Steven Vogt, who up to that point in the game was 0 for 3 with three strikeouts, comes up against Rick Porcello, and he comes through with a walk-off. One of those walk-offs in the postseason. These don't have many of them, uh, but that's one that lives forever. Uh, the Sonny Gray-Steven Vogt combination. You catch a shutout, and you hit the walk-off hit to put the EAs even in the series. That's a mighty fine day. I do have to say personally, like in my career, that 12-13 that uh, we were on 95.7 the game at the time. Those were some of the most fun shows, especially post-game shows. Down the stretch, 12. Uh, the last game, losing, but everybody stayed there. Melvin called in after the game to the post-game show. I mean, how many managers call into the post-game show? People still remember that. Said they were crying when they heard that. And then the excitement of 2013. Those are those are I always I always look at the 2012 A's like the We Believe Warriors. The We mm-hmm. Believe Warriors didn't win, but they meant so much to the franchise. I think the 12 uh, A's and really the 13 that that era right there was really special for us, for a lot of us personally too. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think the We Believe Warriors is a good comp because a team that comes out of nowhere in 2012 definitely did, and the way they did it and how exciting it was and how hot they got at the end. And the celebration, you saw how much the players cared. That poured into the, the fans in the stadium, how much they cared. And I wish they appreciated that team. Um, and the, the visiting players noticed it, right? Miguel Cabrera had nothing but praise for the A's fans after that 12 series. And they felt it again in 13. I mean, 
those two games at the Coliseums, games one and two, were were incredible. Uh, Scherzer was great. Cespedes hit a homer off of him. That was the A's runs, but it was intense. And then the winning game two, just just it was great. Unfortunately, you know, game five, you you run into Verlander again. Again, number five. Number five was this is this is when a player just takes over, and that was Ricky Henderson in game two of the '89 ALCS. Uh, this is against the Blue Jays. You know, game one, which the A's win, Ricky stole two bases, which is great. But it's him breaking up a double play in the sixth inning. Carney Lansford's going to hit into a bases loaded double play, but Ricky breaks it up at second base, causes the second baseman to throw the ball away, two runs score, gives the A's the lead. So Ricky beats you that time just with his hustle. Mm -hmm. Now it's game two, and this is where Ricky just takes over. Singles to lead off the first. And before he has a chance to steal a base, Carney Lansford hits into another double play. Now they're trailing. He leads off the fourth with a walk. He steals second. He steals third, scores on a single. And he's now in the head. Todd Stottlemyre, another future A, Blue Jay pitcher. Uh, it's in his head. It's in Ernie Witt's head. Uh, now he's up in the fifth, steals second again, steals third. After the game, the Blue Jays say, maybe we should just throw to third to begin with because that's where Ricky's going to be. He steals four bases two for two two walks two runs four steals you know how many other players have stolen four bases in a postseason game zero nobody <laughs> zero they made a big deal that corbin carroll stole two the other night ricky stole four in a postseason game nobody's ever done that he just he was in the heads of the blue jays and the blue jays fans so that's a great performance but now game four it's ricky he hits two homers he hits two homers in that game. That's the game that Canseco with the ball on the fifth deck. Everybody remembers that one? That was Ricky a bomb. That was a bomb. Ricky had two uh, for the series. 408 steals, two homers, seven walks, a 609 on base percentage. Just dominating. But that game, too, to see a player just take over a baseball game like, like only Ricky could do, right? Because he could do it with bat, speed, power, anything it took, Ricky beat you. And he was in the heads of the Blue Jays the rest of the way. Greatest home run, Conseco going up tank at the Sky Dome or Randy Johnson versus Mark McGuire at the Kingdom? Uh, I was at the Kingdom from the McGuire one, uh, which was crazy long. But for me, it's McGuire's off Herschel, uh, Oral Hershiser in Cleveland off the scoreboard at what was then Jacobs Field. There's also the, because... Ma the McGuire one at Fenway, but you really – it goes into the dark night, so it's hard, but it was like he cleared the park, that little parking lot below. Yeah, yeah there's that one, too. That Cleveland one, it was like a joke, though. You'd say, hey, he's going to hit it off the scoreboard. He hit it off the scoreboard. It was nuts. And that's that McGuire off her side, that, that's the one to me is the most impressive. The one against Randy Johnson was just, you know, Randy Johnson. Seiko's was hour. third deck. The height on oh. that is incredible. <laughs> Fifth deck? What at, what at the top of this dome? Yeah, I mean, it's nuts. And then, of course, in typical Jose faction, fashion, shakes his head because he says, I didn't get it all. No. He just hit it in the fifth deck. <laughs> There'll be some news on Conseco later on. I'm just going <laughs> to let people know that. Are we on number four? Number four. We're going to go back to 2012. Uh, this was game four. The A's are down two games to one in the series. They're trailing in the game three to one, bottom of the ninth. 
Tiger closer, Jose Valverde coming in. And I remember sitting there, um, even though you're down two runs, I remember going, other teams have done this. Why can't the A's do this? Why can't the A's make a comeback like this? 14 pitches later, 14 pitches later, the A's had won the game. That's how fast it was. Josh Reddick singles on a one-two pitch. Josh Donaldson doubles on the first pitch. Now you got second and third. Seth Smith double on a one-one pitch. Now we're tied. Now you got a runner on second. George Kateris fouls out to third. Ugh. Cliff Pennington strikes out. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Coco Chris comes up. First pitch, base hit to right. Smith scores, A's win. 14 pitches. It was so fast to overcome a two-run deficit in the ninth inning. Would you like to hear it? I'd love to hear it. Smith leads his second in a tie ball game. Valverde deals. And Coco, it's a base hit to right field. Smith to third, up the ball. Bobbled and red by Garcia. And the A's have won it. Seth Smith scores from second. A base hit to right field by Coco Crisp. Garcia charging from right, but he bobbled the ball. And once he bobbled it, it was a moot point. The A's are going crazy. Back behind the bag at first. Jumping up and down. And the A's have forced a fifth game with a three-run bottom of the ninth inning. And they beat the Tigers by the final of four to three. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> 15 walk-off. Uh, anytime we can get... Our beloved Ray Fossey, I miss him so much. He was such a a great man. And quickly, as we got to get through this, but I know you are very, very close with Ken Korak. I know it has to feel um, a, lot of, a lot of sense of pride and a lot of love, the fact that Ken Korak is on the list now for the Ford C. Frick Award. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm so happy for Ken and so thrilled. And, and what a ballot. All 10 of those guys, unbelievable broadcasters with such great history and for Ken to be a part of it. And it was so well-deserved. I mean, Ken fits right in with all those guys. I mean, Ken's the best. Number three. Number three, this is game one, 72 World Series, right? The first World Series game the Oakland Athletics have played and Gene Tennis. Gene Tennis with 225 in the regular season with five homers, nothing player. Went one for 17 in the ALCS. However, the one hit, the RBI single, that was basically the game-winning RBI in game five. And now here he is in the World Series. It's a two-out, two-run homer off Gary Nolan. Then a one-out solo homer in the fifth. Both of those homers gave the A's the lead. First player to ever homer in his first two World Series at bats. Only matched by Andrew Jones in 1996. Unreal. Comes out of nowhere. You don't think Gene Tennis, you know, the Reds are feeling good. There's no Reggie in the A's lineup. And, now, and they're playing Gene, 225 hitting Gene Tennis. This is going to be easy. And Gino with it. And what a series for Gene Tennis, right? 348, four homers, nine runs batted in, series for the ages, a coming out party. And that spurs his career. He becomes an all star player for the next five, six seasons because of what began in the 72 World Series out of nowhere, Gene Tennis. He went from no one knew who he was to getting death threats. Yeah. Think about Don't that. Don't come to the ballpark, Gino. Like, no one even knew who the hell this guy is in Oakland. And next thing you know, it's like, I mean, and then, because I remember as a little kid, because he'd end up coming to the Padres, it was like a big deal. It was Gene Tennis, yeah. right? That 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 World Series. You want to talk about a World Series putting somebody on the map? Wow. Yeah, and Gene Tennis, he was such a player before his time. This was a guy who walked a ton and hit and hit homers. 
And he was the, he was the Billy Ball player, the Billy Bean Billy Ball player. Did Billy Bean he, grow up liking Gene Tennis? Because he should have. He must have. I mean, he must have appreciated that he could walk and hit for power and be Gino. I mean, just, you know, Gino would get another World Series ring in 82. He was part of the Cardinals in 1982. Oh, don't forget, he's got two more on the staff of the Blue Jays. Exactly. This Gene, guy's got a lot of a lot of hardware. Gino, we've talked to him about it here on Ace Cast Live. He's been a he's been a part of a lot of championship baseball. He's got a, he's got a box of rings. <laughs> All right, number two. So number two, these last two, these are very personal to me because I think these were the postseason moments that that just stand out for me more than anything. And number two is Frank Thomas in Game One of the 2006 ALDS, and why? Because Last day of the season, the A's don't even know who they're going to play. The Tigers or the Twins. And you don't want to play the Twins because you're going to have to face Johan Santana in Minnesota. And Johan Santana was the best pitcher in baseball. 19-6, and 2.77 ERA, but even better down the stretch. He had a 1.54 ERA. He'd become unhittable. Doesn't walk anybody, strikes everybody out. You just don't want to face him. And there's Frank Thomas leading off the second inning, 0-0 game. Boom, homers. And it was like, well, wait a minute. We can do this. Frank Thomas. And I've always said this. This is a Hall of Famer doing Hall of Fame things. That's what a Hall of Famer does. When you think you have no chance and Frank Thomas comes up and homers and just opens the door, that actually started a rally. Scudero would later double in a run. Hits another base hit off Santana later in the game. And then in the ninth inning, it's a 2-1 game. And Frank Thomas hits another home run. This one off Jesse Crane. I just a two homer game that you, when you needed it most, you needed to win that game. That's what a Hall of Famer does. And for me, that was just that was an unbelievable performance to beat the best pitcher in baseball. And you did that because of Frank Thomas. I always like when we have Frank on to always talk about how, you know, no matter how great, and he'll always be remembered as a White Sox and you're in the Hall of Fame as a White Sox. You're, you're, your best year. The year that you remember the most, and it meant the most to you, wasn't the two MVPs. It was the year in Oakland, no question. All right, number one. And number one, this is the A's make it back to the World Series in 1989. They still have the stank of the 88 World Series on them, right? And and the fans, as a fan, we felt it too. We're back in the World Series. Now we're going against the Giants. We cannot lose this World Series. We're still feeling the pain from the Dodgers series. Losing to the Giants would have been just awful. And Dave Stewart takes the mound and says, no, no, no. Five hits shutout, 135 pitches, one walk, six strikeouts. The only time he faces trouble is the ninth inning. Back-to-back singles by Clark and Mitchell. It's like, oh, the Giants are going to rally. It's 5 nothing. Bullpen, X starting to stir. And you could see Stu kind of looked down there and just shook his head and said, no, no, I got this. Strikes out Matt Williams, strikes out Ernest Riles, gets Candy Maldonado to ground a third, ball game, 5 nothing. Giants, no chance. That, to me, was the performance in the postseason. That changed. It changed the feeling of the A's after that 88 problem that, no, we're going to be fine, and Dave Stewart's the man. Well, you and I are around Dave a lot at NBC. And we've had a lot of conversation with with Dave, and Dave is adamant. I don't know what you guys were thinking. That was that was going to be easy. He said, we <laughs> always beat the Giants. He talked about they smoked them in spring training. They did. They, he's like we they had no chance. And you're like, because 
I was in high school at the time, right? And that was like the biggest. That was, a, you know, obviously the earthquake, but that was a huge World Series, right? It's A's, it's Giants, it's huge. It's like, and Dave, sir, Dave, Dave if, according to the great Dave Stewart, Oakland A's Hall of Famer, who I texted a story to today, by the way, um, was like, ah, that was, they had full confidence. So, however you were feeling, Dave was not feeling that way. No, and, and I get that. Um, I remember those spring training games. The A's just destroyed them. No matter what it took, they, they'd come back. They had a huge comeback in one game. I think Dan Howitt hit a grand slam for the A's to to cap one off. Um, but there was still, as a fan, man, you were, I was feeling it. Uh, Tony Phillips had a base hit to give the A's the lead. And it was like just getting a hit with runner in scoring position in a World Series game after all that Dodger problems felt great. And then Stu on the mound, he just needed it. You know, I think for the team, and they might have thought it was easy, but I, definitely in the stands, nothing would have been worse than to lose that World Series to the Giants. That would have been the worst. All and right, run down, sure run down your top ten. So quickly, for my biggest postseason performances, number ten, Murphy and Pinder in the winner-take-all wildcard game in 2020, Catfish Hunter with a shutout in game five of the 73 ALCS, Norris and McCaddy back-to-back complete games and allowing only one run combined in the 81 ALDS. The walk-off bunt by Ramon Hernandez, Game 1, 2003 ALDS. Sonny Gray, Stephen Vote, Game 2 of 2013 ALDS. Sonny Gray, shut out innings, Vote with a walk-off single. Ricky taking over in Game 2 with the 89 ALCS. A 14-pitch, two-run comeback in Game for the 2012 ALDS by the A's. Gino Tanachi, game one, two homers against the Reds, 72 World Series. Frank Thomas, two homers, game one, 2006 ALDS. And then Dave Stewart, game one, 89 World Series. And then just looking at this list quickly, I noticed we have a lot of game ones in there. The A's made a lot of statements early in series. And uh, for the most part, until the last few years, that was always a good sign. Oakland A's top 10 playoff performances and postseason history right here on A's cast. And then you pause. And then there you go. Great stuff. That was awesome. You know, how did that feel? How did that feel? How did I want to forget all of us? We all enjoyed it. How did that make you feel? It makes me so happy to relive these moments. I mean, these are the best moments as being an A's fan. Uh, playoff victories and playoff performances. There's so much pressure and stress. That whole thing is for me as a fan. Uh, and then you go back and relive this stuff and how good it was and how good we had it. And how many times again, 21 trips in 56 seasons. And I will never forget. I think the moment in the 89 world series when the A's got the final out and they won, they were the champions and the, the sense of euphoria and relief that came over me, the happiness of winning the world series as a, you know, being a fan and knowing there was no more games left to play. There was no more stress. There was, it was done. You had won. And I can't wait to feel that again. And I think, and I hope that we do feel that again in Oakland one more time. All right. Rangers or snakes. Who are you taking? You know what? I, I still believe in Bruce Bochy watching his way. He used his bullpen in the ALCS and things that I, didn't always agree with as a fan and they always come up just like they always came up with him with the giants. He never seems to make the wrong bullpen move in the postseason, And because of that, I think the Rangers are going to win it. 
All righty. We will talk to you soon. You be well. Good luck with right, everything thanks, with Tom. the Pac-12 Network. Thank you. The great David Feldman. Up next, our baseball. We go from a historian to our baseball national. What do I want? Our national baseball columnist. That's what I want to say. Eno Saris will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. The new summer colors and prints are in stock. The new polos, lightweight, all the colors you want. Fabulous. We got our new order. My wife is so happy that I'm dressing so much better. All thanks to Link Soul. You name it, whether it's polos, whether it's shorts, anything for your summer needs, you need to revamp your wardrobe. You go to LinkSoul.com and they got great summer deals. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Ace Cast Live continues from the studio. Here's Chris Townsend. You just saw the graphic up there. Spring training tickets. Athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash spring. First game, February 24th. Ho-Ho Cam against the Rockies. Get your spring training tickets now. Athletics.com slash spring. It'll be here before you know it. By the way, they make great Christmas gifts. Don't forget that. You're always trying to figure out, what am I going to get that certain somebody? Get them spring training tickets. Because there's plenty of people out there who say, God, man, I'd love to get down there. I'd love to go. Get them tickets. And they'll be like, I'm so glad I did. Yes, I'm going this year. Athletics.com slash spring. Play the man is open. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Eno, how are you? I'm doing great. You fired up? You're ready to go? World Series starts tomorrow. Yeah, I just recorded my first underwear video. How'd you look? Uh, I wish, uh, wish a couple fewer pounds were on there. Did you did did you think, man, if I would have been working out the last year, how different this could be? The last five, <laughs> last twenty. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You're 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 a sex symbol now. That's all that matters. Um, how you feeling, Rangers? D backs. I think if the I think the offenses will decide it. I think it, I, I'm picking the Rangers because that I think that offense is inevitable. And one thing that I like about it is it's so different. You have like think about this: you're facing Evan Carter, and then you face Adelise Garcia. Like they couldn't be more different. I mean, you're going to talk about righty, lefty, but you're also talking about Evan Carter is going to spit at everything you throw. You're going to have to be very fine. You have to get it right at that top little sliver of the zone he's not so good at, and you have to get it in the zone. Otherwise, it's just going to be a walk or whatever. And then at least Garcia is going to swing at everything, but, like, you know, he might and just And it's all demolish. going out of the ballpark. Yeah, right. So <laughs> I, I, think, uh, I think having that sort of diversity – 
uh, among the among the two uh, among the different. It's not just those two. You know, there's 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 a a good diversity in that lineup between more aggressive guys and more patient guys. They they as a team chased less than almost I think every team but two in the in the big leagues. Uh, but they're yeah, they relentless. It's a relentless offense. Yeah, it's really deep down at the bottom too. Like when you're seeing Evan Longoria on the on the on the uh, Diamondbacks, he's fine, but he's you know a veteran near the past his peak. You're seeing Jonah Heim and Mitch Garver, and and and, you're, and, and Jace Young is like you know not even it's not Jace Young, it's his brother Josh. <laughs> uh, Josh Young is 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 a great guy to have uh, that low in the in the batting order. So it's just re- there's really no rest. Yeah, big question for me is. You know, with Bruce Bochy, we had a, a long conversation with Scott Emerson about third time through the lineup with starters, the data with the relievers is better than the stars and all that. But, so, you know, now that you in a seven-game series, it's like Bruce Bochy, God, you really want to get as much out of your starters because you're not – I mean, other than LeCurk and the Spores, you know, it can be kind of scary going to your bullpen. So – uh, how will the bullpen perform for the Texas Rangers? So far, pretty much they've they've done their job. They've they've held the line, but you know I, I would give Arizona the edge. No doubt, just they're a little bit little bit deeper. Um, you know the, the circle of trust is even a little bit wider. I kind of think Bruce Bochy's circle of trust is two. It is two. Leclerc and <laughs> it's Spores. Jose Leclerc yeah. and Spores, and that's it. You know, Aroldis Chapman. You have no idea where he's going to throw the ball when he gets out there. And then you've got uh, Bradford, who's you know he's a fine lefty, but uh, you know they don't, they only use him when they have to. So it's uh, it, you know they they do have you know Dane Dunning and some starters that they can put out there. We don't know what we're going to get from John Gray. Maybe a little bit more time to get healthy will help him. Um, we're going to see some of those guys though. If it, if it goes seven. Then depth matters. Uh, you know, starting pitcher depth favors the Rangers a little bit. Bullpen depth favors the Diamondbacks. What can you expect from Scherzer? It's so hard. The way when I was previewing it, it's like both these teams have two starters that have been pitching well all year and have pitched well in the playoffs, and they both have a wild card. And Brandon Fott is the Arizona wild card. He's a rookie who had a five seven ERA during the regular season, but he's been pitching really well in the postseason. And so you know, he's the guy who's going well. Max Scherzer is a guy who had like a 3.7 ERA during the regular season, has this long postseason resume, long regular season resume, but he's been really struggling in the postseason. So I think it's it's what it's something to ask for. You, it's a good question to ask. You do see the velo for Scherzer. What I haven't seen from him is breaking ball command. I don't know why that wouldn't that wouldn't come back, but you, you know sometimes after injury, command comes back later. But he just hasn't been able to command those breaking balls. The, the velo's been there, but he's been spiking all those curveballs. And in today's league, if it's 2-0, you can't have to go to a pitch. You can't have to go fastball, you know? And that's been a big part of what Scherz has been able to do is, oh, cutter, slider, curve. He throws so many breaking balls. I think he throws like four or five breaking balls because you could really break some of those up into into, into separate separate breaking balls. But if he doesn't have that feel, then it's not the same Max Scherzer. Did you ever think you'd you you would be looking at Nathan Avaldi as a postseason monster? I mean, I covered that the longest World Series game of all time, which he was get, there. which they didn't which they didn't win. He didn't win, but he a pitched little, great. Little story for your for your listeners, I was hungover. 
Oh, that's a long game to be hung over. Oh, 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 oh my God. <laughs> wow. I the day before it ended at like 8 30 and I called a friend in LA and I was like, Hey, let's go out in the town. Oh wow. And it, somehow I was at a rave at like 3 a.m. the <gasps> night before that game. And I remember looking at my phone and being like, wait a second, is this a rave? And I turned to my friend, I'm like, is this a rave? And he's like, Yeah, I guess you could call it that. And I'm like, Oh no, I need to leave. <laughs> what time did you get home from this rave? Was the sun up? No, it was like four or something, but I had this made this stupid thing. I had an Airbnb without a car, so I walked from Silver Lake into the Chavez Ravine, which means going down and up. And it was 98 at game time. Wow. 98 at game time, longest, longest World Series game of all time. And I'm just nursing the water the whole time. And my coworker, Jason Stark, is sitting next to me going, Are you okay? And I'm like, Yes, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if this game would just end. And yeah, Ivaldi comes on in the 12th and pitches like five innings yeah. in the middle of that game. <laughs> I mean, him and Montgomery have been fabulous. They've been fabulous. Yeah, they've been really great. I, You know, one thing that, that they do uh, sort of teach me, which I keep learning over and over again, is just the value of having a lot of pitches because – what you saw from Uvalde was he pitched well uh, against, um, you know, the Astros once, and then he had to come back and do it again. And if you have to face the same team in a series this big, you have to do something differently. And he was he had enough of a pitch mix where he was able to do something differently. And I think that's true for Montgomery, too. So, you know, imagine just being kind of like, you know, a, 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 a two-pitch pitcher or even a three-pitch pitcher. and 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 getting through one game in a series and then seeing them again and just being like, Oh, what do I do differently now? <laughs> well, how about the, how about the old school guys that would pitch three times? Yeah. And they pitch on short rest. Yeah. I mean, I only yeah, got, I, mean, I only got it, so much. You're going to see, you know what I got, but then that just shows you masters of their well, craft where you do it three times in a seven game set. How amazing is Bumgarner then? Because that's not even that long ago. And here's a guy who's basically a three pitch guy who, he didn't really change what he did. No, at ever. all. Yeah. And, and yet he pitched something like 45% of the Giants innings in that World Series. It's interesting, it's interesting you bring his name up. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it in a sec. Uh, and I want to get the, you know, how did the D-backs win this? But yesterday, a lot of talk with Melvin being announced, leaving San Diego now for San Francisco, and then Greg Johnson, at one point, managing general partner, talks about how breaking even and, you know, spending money and fans just flip. We need to spend all this money. Uh, do the do fans realize that the, the two highest paid players, the highest paid player for the Rangers is DeGrom, the highest paid player for the D-backs is Madison Bumgarner. Neither guy will factor in this series. So we're all concerned about money. The two highest paid guys for each team will not factor well, at all. You know, there's this flip side that's weird too. There was a lot of people in Houston that said, you know, oh, congratulations to the Rangers. They bought their title. You know, they went out and spent all this money and just bought their title. Oh, or bought their, you know, bought weak. their their pennant. I think A, that's weak. And B, uh, the payroll in Texas is like three million dollars higher than the payroll in Houston. I 
I, I don't think that's much of a flex. So um, I, I think it takes it takes all kinds. You know, uh, it, the, it, I think it was difficult uh, for the the A's even when they were in the postseason uh, to get by some of these teams that that did spend more. I think that's part of what happened. Uh, but you know, winning a lot in the regular season is totally possible if you have an interesting strategy. If you have a way to 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 identify young you players, nailed that are good. you nailed it. Not only did you nail it, but you nailed it. You thought it out. You were talking, and it really it was like a think tank process we were going through on this show, where you really started talking about. Well, you know, if you pare it down, then you think about the A. You know, once you pared it down, the A's aren't weren't as good when it's truly just your best. But if you can have a tremendous collection of all these different players that you use throughout six months in a regular season, you can make that happen. But once we get to now, you're paring it down to the best of the best. And, and how much, how much could have, how much could have one really high price free agent changed any of those teams? I mean, there was that one year where they, they fought so hard and they were so great and they got to the wild card game and they had to go with an opener in the wild card game, you know, just because of what it took to get there. What if they just had one more pitcher? You know what I mean? That that's what, that's what money can do for you. Um, and you know, it's, it's not a straight line between money and winning, uh, and especially no. not in the postseason. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a complicated thing. Obviously we had the Padres and Mets this year that didn't, you know, make the most out of, out of their salary. But, uh, I would, if I was running a team, I would sure like to have more money to run my team. <laughs> yeah. Is there anybody, has anyone ever said I want less? Yeah, right. I want less no. money. Sorry, uh, owner, sir. I, I'd like to spend $30 million less than that. Before we get to the D-backs, I just want to say we have a lot of poor losers in our game. <laughs> like, when you lose in the NFL, having worked in the NFL, when you lose, the other team beats you, right? Blocking, tackling, calling plays on offense, quarterback play, turnovers, all that. You lose, you lose. You go home. Right, we'll see you next. The the excuses, like you just mentioned with Houston. Oh, all of a sudden someone's buying team. The excuses everybody's using for their team losing. No one was making any excuses in Philly when they had those first two games against the D-backs, and they're rocking and rolling. This is the loudest ballpark we've ever heard. Like, all of a sudden, people lose, and it's like excuses are flying out of their backside like you wouldn't believe. The amount of excuses everybody starts using for losing in baseball, it's just weak. As we just said, it's weak. Tip your cap, and we'll see you next year. The whining, the crying, the excuses – Oh my God! The defeatist attitude to me is disgusting. Oh, I. We need I to reseed the regular season. You know, show your ass up and win your team. Uh, you know what? Best statement okay. there. What's the state? Bit, like what's the, the state of your the, roster when the postseason hits? Don't tell me what you were in June. Don't tell me what your ass was in April. Where are you now? Where are well, you now? I, I, I hear that, but I also, you know, like I, I, I thought it was a little bit of whining to, 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 you know, get super obsessed about how many days off they had between series or whatever. Oh. Um, so I, I did think there was some of that. Uh, I did tweet something that people thought was whining and, and called somebody called pathetic, uh, which was I, I I pointed out that uh, Bryce Harper's long fly ball uh, that he hit 108 miles an hour in the seventh inning uh, of game seven. 
I, I he hit that 108 and 44 uh, degree angle. Now, like a third of those are homers. You'd really have to pull it down the line to make that work. That's one of those like skyscrapers that barely makes it, you know? Uh, if he'd hit it five degrees lower, you're talking about 80% of those are homers, right? So I made the point that that five degrees coming off the bat is millimeters. Now, I'm not making that point to say that he, oh, it should be a homer. You know, it should count as a homer. I'm not making that point. I'm making the point of how incredibly small the difference between winning and losing can be. That's all I'm trying to make. I'm trying to make the point that that you're talking, he said after the game, he beat my barrel by a 10th of a second. I think it's more like a hundredth of a second. So you're talking about a hundredth of a second between Bryce Harper, you know, tying the game up or going ahead or, or, or uh, them losing That's I think uh, it goes to the wonder of the game. I think baseball, football does it too. Basketball, the ball can bounce. Anytime you're hitting something, right? So what you're talking about really is one thing's moving. There are two things moving. Same thing with hitting a hockey puck. Same yeah. thing with hitting a golf ball. If you're just a little bit, your face of your golf, we'll go sideways. Your face of your club hitting the golf ball. If it yeah. is just one degree to the right, do you Big realize? Old slice or fade or whatever. That's a huge slice. If it's yeah. one degree closed, you're talking about a, a hook. I mean, yeah. it is. I mean, it is just. If you're not coming, it, it. So when you're talking about barely missing it, well, we're talking about you just to be barely off with your golf club, and we're talking about. I mean, that's just, and that ball and that ball ain't moving. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 physics, right? It's just the yeah. way it's the speed and the angle and all that. I don't. You're just telling what what happened. You're not making it. You're not saying if he would have been at a different ballpark. I mean, you're just saying yeah. what happened. No, yeah, the, to yeah, me, the but... whining, the whining, there's just so much whine. Instead of just whatever, we don't know how to lose gracefully anymore. We make excuses <laughs> on why we, there always has to be reasons why. I mean, had to, have you seen some of the stuff coming out of San Diego with people tr- still trying to make excuses for A.J. Preller? Like, how many managers do you get? I don't know, man. And and he was trying to make it sound like um, Bob Melvin couldn't work with leadership or wasn't taking information from them. I'm sorry, man. Ugh. Are you kidding me? This is a guy that was in, in, in Oakland. And you're saying that he wouldn't work with ownership and wasn't taking information. No, uh, I don't think so. I, I you know, mm. not, not, not to, I, not to get completely off the track here, but I got to ask yeah. you um, who in their right mind would take that job. Someone will take it. But who it's like, going to be somebody without a track record, right? It's going to be somebody who just wants a chance you cause, know, cause, and thinks and, we could and, we could do it. AJ, if the Padres get off to any bad start at some point, Peter Seidler, he's going to have to make a change. Do you really want to be the manager that goes down when Preller fi- finally goes down? Do you really want to be the guy that's managing at that point? I mean, I, I, I've talked with teams about working with teams. And for me, it's really important who's at the top and. Uh, I don't even know if I'd take the Padres phone call really, honestly. Uh, wow. So, so, you know, there's just, you know, it matters who you work for. Your boss matters. If he's going to call people below you, you know, and micromanage you and, and not give you any sense of autonomy, then like, you know, then why take the job? It's just, 
going to have a backbiter the whole time. It is so dysfunctional. I mean, it really starts at ownership that they've allowed this to go on for all. Oh, and of you these know years. that's and you know that's part of it because we already had the CEO of the Padres say we're going to reevaluate the manager and the general manager, and then Peter Seidler from the hospital was like, "No, no, the the manager and the the general manager is fine." <laughs> and as the CEO, you'd be like, "God, I was just." All right, fine. <laughs> you guys, you guys run it. <laughs> yeah, very dysfunctional. All right, back to the World Series. Give me the reason why the D-backs win. D-backs have the second best defense in baseball. They have a longer bullpen. And if Brandon Fott continues what he's doing, they will win. If they can win the run suppression game, they will win. So if they can keep it to three to two and four to two, those kind of games, they will win. Which they have the ability to do. They just did it in Philly. Right, which was really surprising to me. I picked Philly from you know from before the postseason to make the World Series. They got right to the doorstep, and uh, really surprised that the Arizona Diamondbacks pulled that off. I kind of feel like you know, yeah, it's something similar here because I want to be like Texas lineup is so good. This team is better. I'm going to pick Texas, and yet we've said that about Arizona's opponents all the way through, and they just really kind of torn all through them. What do you make of home teams being 14 and 22 this postseason? Nothing. Do you know that regular season pace? That's a 63 and 99 record. <laughs> I mean, if they had gone to extra innings, I might say something because this new rule has changed how extra innings work. And there has been a weird reversed home field advantage for extra innings. But uh, I can't well, like. What would you say? Like what? Uh, home what, field advantage to me, I think, in all sports is dead. Oh, I think we've just seen it so many times. I mean, we've now seen eight seeds in hockey win the Stanley Cup. I just mm. that, that the whole the days of oh my god, you're going to the Boston Garden or you're going to Yankee Stadium, and these kids are I, I home field advantage. I think for modern day athletes, it, well, that's it, a, it doesn't matter. That's a really interesting thing. So two things come to mind. One is that I have seen some proof that home field advantage is the weakest in baseball. So that that kind of goes to what you're talking about there. Um, Weather plays, but we're a sport that we're not dealing with zero below. It's not, it's not right? crazy weather. Yeah. yeah like all of a but sudden my, you got to go to Green Bay and it's, you know, minus 10. You're, it's a whole different ballgame. I have seen some research that suggests that a large part of home field advantage is changing umpire calls, like affecting the umpires, affecting the referees. And I'm thinking about my dad always loves uh, college dogs at home, home dogs in college. And I would think that a, a referee or an umpire, or whatever, whatever they call, they call referees in football. The referees in football uh, on the college level might actually be more a sway, like uh, like you might be actually be able to affect them more. Hey, you know, like they're. I got my. They're guy, not. I got. They're my, not full timers, right? Yeah, I, in college, no. I got my guys. My guys trip to Reno, our our football trip. Can mm -hmm. I can I call your dad? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, so, hey, so, hey, 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 Mr. Sears, who you like this weekend? So we're getting more and more. He full likes college. Big leagues, college home also, dogs. Yeah, but also uh, what we're seeing uh, with technology is that we're we are training our our in baseball at least umpires got better. Once we start, we had this thing called Quest Tech, 
which yeah. was the beginning of pitch FX. And when we started Quest Tech, umpires were at like 80% effect- effectiveness. Like they got it calls like 80, 82% right. Right, right now we're at like 86, 87%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a lot. That's a lot of calls every game. They're getting better because of the te- technology. And, and replay has been more of a big deal over time. So if there is a home field advantage in affecting what the umpire is doing, and now you have replay, then you might actually be able to that's take some of that back and yeah. not have home field advantage. Are we getting to a point where technology is helping the umpires get better and better and better? that we may not need to go to the electronic strike zone? I I mean, I, I think that I think that we see big plays and think that they are terrible at their jobs. But if you look at a lot of them, they are really good. You know, like in terms of balls and strikes and what they do. They've, they've weeded out better. some of the bad guys. Yeah, a lot of those guys yeah. have been graduated out, you know, retired. And the, the youngest generation that's coming through right now has been trained by the things. That's why part of why I think it's going to go to the challenge system and not to automatic balls and strikes. And so we're going to see basically what we see now. One thing that's fun about challenge system, if people are like rolling their eyes and don't want that, it's fun because you only have a limited amount for the game. And so the players know if I use one and it's wrong, my manager's going to be mad at me, but they don't get to look at the manager. Like they don't get to, there's no like, you know, this. It has to be in the moment. The catcher has to be like, nah, 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 let's look at that, you know? And then everyone yeah. looks up at it on the board and they're like, ooh, yes. It's entertaining. It's entertaining. Like, we're in the entertainment business, people. I love, yeah. I love, I've seen it in the mind, whatever. Who has it? Somebody in the minor leagues has it. I've seen video yeah, yeah. where I think A ball was doing guys it up then- to play, right? Right. Ball, oh no 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 that's not it. <laughs> and then all everybody gets excited. I dig it. Like and in tennis they do it too when the ball is like they do the they do a challenge system on 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 serves right and the you actually hear the crowd go like oh <laughs> when they when they see we the need, call. We know? need like pads in front of us at our seats <laughs> so we can all, all vote on what it's going to be. <laughs> we can all gamble on it. Going, he's right. I'm betting oh, on this. Oh no, that's happening. That's happening. I'm betting on this. Oh, you want to get fans <laughs> into it? We're all putting our money into it. Oh no, he's wrong. Oh my god, but that's you, on this way. We already have some books uh, that are at uh, ballparks, so we have a book. The Mets. At, uh, Wiggly. Have you heard about the Mets? Yeah. The Mets want to have a casino. (laughs) Yeah. You can go look. I was in uh, Newsweek or whatever. Uh, I was sending that around to people going, there's people worried about Vegas. They want to put a casino in Queens next to the ballpark. Just like you, you just like come into the ballpark and they just have like, uh, they'll just have like those little suction things that, that just like go right in your pocket and just (laughs) <laughs> Venmo, Venmo, Venmo. Yeah. Uh, I think it's good for baseball that these two teams are here. And I try to let people know, like, the ratings have actually been pretty good. And it's, uh, you got to understand, like, the, the let's go to the four teams. When you start looking at Philly, that's the fourth largest TV market. Dallas is the fifth. Uh, mm. Houston's 10th. Arizona's 12th, so we're not talking about small American television markets. These are pretty decent-sized television markets. Arizona's, just, Arizona's tough. It's 12th. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. It's it, it. I don't think it plays that way in baseball. It's still, it's your television market. This isn't Kansas City, San Francisco. These are two right. markets that are far. You got San Francisco, re- Bay Area's fifth. Sixth. Yeah. 
Dallas is. Oh, you're saying Kansas City is below 12. Yeah, Dallas is fifth. Dallas, Dallas is a bigger television market than the Bay Area. Whoa! All right, all right, all right. People yeah, don't true. really, yeah, like it's people. Big. And you got to people just don't understand with Phoenix, Scottsdale, Tempe, Mesa. It's actually a pretty decent sized market. This whole it's like the bumpkins are playing each other is not. But I, <laughs> the fact the the fact that we got numbers in the NL and ALCSs. It's good for I think to me I I believe it's good for baseball that we're not seeing the same if it's not somebody from the northeast and it's not somebody from LA oh no we're doomed. Yeah, yeah. And and also I wonder if there's there's got to be some value into just hey new like you know like yeah. it's not the Astros, you know. <laughs> it's not it's not somebody who's been who's won one of the recent ones. Like both of these teams you know haven't won in a while. You know, and uh, Texas never won one. I think there is there. You can capture the national imagination with a team that's never won the World Series. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you're going, you're going Rangers. Yeah. Okay, I got to ask you a couple uh, other baseball things. Um, becoming very obvious that former smart players who know analytics are now chic, as the smartest man in baseball, as we used to call him when he was an A, Craig Breslow has got the CBO job with the Boston Red Sox. How do Steven vote is going to be, is going to be a manager. So you call them baseball nerds. I'm going to ask you, how are the bait? Cause years ago, most of the general managers were all former players. How, uh-huh. how do the baseball nerds feel that now it's the former players are now getting all the sample will be one of these guys at some point. It's the former players who know analytics, they're now getting all the jobs. That's now the trend. How do all the baseball nerds feel about that? Are they getting a little worried? You know, one thing that's interesting is we've never had a a, 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 a GM come out of an analytics department. So we've never, we never actually did that. We graduated. Uh, there's a Yankees AGM that came out of, uh, that came out of the analytics department. We've got some AGMs that have graduated analytics departments. We have some analytics friendly GMs. We've had some business school grads. So what we really did was we had a bunch of business school grads that were GMs. We never really had the super nerdy analytics types. Sometimes uh, I don't know if they have the the, the media savvy or the uh, the personal personal skills that that you kind of need to be the front man for a whole team. I mean, that's that's yeah. that requires media skills. Um, I, I do think that anybody who knows how to run a team or is running a team well this the, right now knows that you have to take perspectives from the analytics squad and from former players and meld them together to be successful. You can't just take something and be like, Oh, analytics spit this out. Everyone do this now without any sort of feel for how it's going to go down. I've had horror stories from players being like, we got there on the first day of camp and they were, they put cones out for how we should run the bases. You know, it's like, you know, that sort of thing you need to be really careful about. Um, So I don't know that anybody's mad, on either side, I think uh, you could you could be really good at it uh, because these today's players are also better at media. I think they have to be they have to consider how they interact with the media a lot more because there's more of it. They have to be on social media. There's all that. So the media aspect of the job, they are going to be out in front on. Yeah, we got two Princeton grads uh, who are running the World Series. Obviously, Chris Young, we know about his background hoops. I think he's one of the only guys to be all Ivy League in both hoops and baseball. Hayes and Mike Hazen also played for Princeton. 
I believe he's the Tigers' all-time stolen base leader or something like that. So both these guys, <laughs> I mean, Chris Young had a very good career, but so both these guys, uh, Ivy League guys who are running, I just think it's interesting that former players coming back into running teams uh, kind of becoming the new model. We'll see how that goes. Uh, a, lot- a lot of them are players that were very receptive to analytics. No doubt, up, though. No doubt, but they Chris were Young and I players. had many an argument as a player about numbers. Sam Fold was a guy I went to beeline in the dugout to to talk to him. So if you want somebody on that level, uh, my pick is Jed Lowry. Like he he should be somebody that that, that a team should should pick up. The more former A's running teams makes it easier for guests, <laughs> my friend. A- absolutely love it. Uh, more guests, more guests for the more guests for the cast. Exactly. Hey, we. Hey, th- th- it's not going to be hard getting the Giants manager now. Oh, uh, yeah, right. how, how do you feel, uh, Melvin, and the Giants? I think it's going to be good. I think that uh, if there was something missing in in San Francisco, it may have been just from reading between the lines of of me talking to the players. There it may have been just that some people feel like didn't know their role. And not knowing what your role is, is really tough. And I think that that is exactly what Melvin, you know, everyone says about Melvin is he's the guy, you know, where you stand with him. Like that's what Melvin will tell you, you know, Hey, we need you in this way. And if you want to get you more playing time, this is what we're looking from you or from. It's very clear what the hurdles are, what we, what you're going to be doing, what the plan is in the short term and the long term. And that's the thing I think that made people in uh, San Francisco a little bit nervous. So it was, I don't know if I'm pitching three tonight, five tonight, six tomorrow, whatever it is, you know? And so having Melvin come in and be there, like, I am a good communicator. I will tell you exactly where you stand, brass taxes. I will tell you the truth. That's what who Melvin is. I think that can really help them. There's two sides to every story. We know that in life. And the athletic went pretty, pretty hard on the whole Kim Ming departure and obviously, I'm not talking about your work, but some of your colleagues, they went, you know, there's some tough things said about the Marlins. Um, kind of looking into it, though, there, there's more than what was really reported. I don't think people really realize that Derek Jeter was running the whole thing. Even when Kim Ng was supposedly the GM, people in South Florida go, Jeter was running the whole thing. So hmm. Jeter, Jeter leaves. Obviously, there's that void between now Kim Ng and the owner, because Jeter was not talking with the owner, which all of a sudden I go, wait a minute, Jeter's an owner, but obviously he's not the rich guy, but he's not (laughs) communicating with the rich guy. This was disaster, right? You can see why it didn't work. And once it was kind of explained more when you hear from people who are down there, you now kind of understand why Kimming wouldn't be there anymore and why she would opt out, and they'd be okay with her opting out. They gave her an extra – they picked up the option, but – there was more to the story because it just the way it got reported was just they got hammered. The whole Jeter part of it is a huge part of it. Mm. I just what what I mean, were your I thoughts on it? My my sense is that there's um, a, a, I talk about organizational inertia a lot and how hard it is to change uh, uh, change turn the ship as I talk about sometimes yeah. on the show. And I just I, I think that there are elements that are long suited long long suited like long entrenched elements in 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 florida that um she tried to kind of get rid of some of them i think gary denbo you know was i heard i honestly heard didn't hear great things about him and it you know it took a while and that was a thing she had to do and she had to kind of put her own you know she had to go out there to get to make that firing you know so like and i don't think he's the only one so i think there was some sort of entrenched you know feeling 
maybe that that wasn't listening to her. Maybe they were only listening to Jeter. You know what I mean? So there's there's like you said, there's two sides of it. But I think that there was there the, that she wasn't able to completely change the culture. No, Jeter was the culture from what I'm right. Exactly. From what I, yeah. And she was brought in by Jeter. So you can kind yeah. of see once Jeter left, like no matter you can bring in Jake Berger, you can have a couple of some good moves. But in the end, there right. was the whole Jeter thing. He now vaults off to doing uh, car commercials and Fox and everybody forgets. Uh, about all the stuff that uh, Jeter put forward. You said you wouldn't take the call from the Padres. If Craig Breslow called you from the Red Sox, would you take the call? Oh, yes. <laughs> Do you like, you, you like that hire? I like him, yeah. I yeah. like him. I like the hire. I think that their number one need is uh, pitching development. Uh, and uh, I think that they, you know, I think they picked a, a good guy to to turn that around. I know that he's the top guy and he's not necessarily just the pitching guy, but um, I, I think that having somebody up there that cares about pitching the same way that he does uh, will be, will be huge for them. They obviously they they and they're an exciting team right now. They got a lot of young hitters that have just hit the big leagues. If they can turn around pitching at all, that's going to be a good team shortly. So what's different. And we love Breslow, right? Loved having him on the show. He's a great pregame guest, but what's different. Like Hein Bloom didn't care about pitching. Like, what's the difference between Breslow and Hein Bloom? Of course, Hein Bloom didn't play in the big leagues. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. I have asked around a lot, a little bit about that. One thing I heard was a lot of cooks in the kitchen and not a lot of um, uh, accountability is a word that people use, or just like not a really like streamlining. Let's get this done. It was a lot of like, well, what should we do? What should we do? As opposed to you know getting it done. Um. I just think that somebody coming in from the outside, they like, I think this is what I think. I think Heim Bloom did some good work. And I think what you're doing is saying, thank you for that good work. And you shouldn't have been fired. And I'm going to take over now and take credit for some of the good work you did. <laughs> and, and also not to be, to be fair to Craig, like he's going to put his stamp on it, but like, yeah. it's not, you're not taking, you're not taking over the Royals and being like, oh, or the White Sox, who I've just I've I've heard just like it's like you're more at zero, you know. Yeah, you, you is... you've had some harsh words for the White Sox. <laughs> Good luck, Chris Getz. That... <laughs> yeah. So the Red Sox, I feel like you're taking over someone who's nearer to closer to the finish line and you're kind of putting them over the hump. If you all of a sudden became a multi multi billionaire and you bought a team and you're like Money's not a problem. If you could model your organization after any of the 30 teams right now, who would you model your, who would you model your organ? Who would you mimic? Who would you model it? Who would be the model for you? You can't guess. I'm, I'm just allowing you. I'm not. Who would you take? I just think, you know, already. I, I think I know. Cause I have people who, who you bring up certain teams and they flip out. So I want to hear from you, the baseball expert. If you could model the Dodgers, I, 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 some people go, but look how many, look how they choke in the postseason. I, I think that the the postseason is very unpredictable, and I think you keep getting to it, you keep trying to get better, and you keep trying to win. And if there's something, maybe there's something for them to learn, to learn, but it's better to keep going. You know, and say, okay, we're going to tweak this or tweak that and win next year, you know, than to be like, we won 65 games last year. Yeah, because I have a feeling, and I could be wrong, and I know I'm an Astros troll. I get it. 
I have a feeling that, like, I'm not going to be shocked if next year or the year after is when we see they've had a great run, but, like, you know, oh, we're going to let Verlander go. Oh, my God, we got to get him back. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have a feeling we could be if Seattle. Abreu had a good a good playoffs, but, like, that wasn't a good deal, I don't think. Now, if, if Seattle steps their game up, this Texas thing's for real. This is going to – they're going to be pretty good. Uh, I'm not going to be shocked if next year we're looking at Houston. Who knows who the new manager is going to be, how the culture is going to change, whatever. I just have a feeling I'm not going to be shocked if Seattle, if, if not Seattle, if Houston is not in the postseason next next year. I mean, they were out of it for large points of this year. So I'm not really making any big noise there then. I I I, I do like how they're run, but there have been a lot of weird changes where they've they've – they fired they they fired guys that were the, that led their player development and they and fired guys they that fired led fired two you know. guys at the end of the year before the postseason right yeah and and it was weird because i i think very highly of their player development so that says says to me that they think they want to go in a different direction so i don't i, I don't know what that direction is Can't, i don't think for me it wouldn't be a good one <laughs> you know? all right let's end on this it's halloween you're passing out candy all the kids are coming Daddy, Daddy wants a few pops. What, uh, what's Eno drinking on Halloween? What am I going to drink on Halloween? Uh, I've been really into uh, uh, dark lagers, you know. And you know what's kind of fun about dark lager? That's Halloweenish. It looks scary and dark. It looks like a stout, but it's not. It's nice and light. Really? Dark, yeah. dark lagers are light. Yeah, they're four and five percent. They taste in terms of body, they they don't taste that thick. You know, they're 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 just like um, it's like a lager that just has more taste, a little bit, a little bit more sort of maltiness. I like it, and it's got that look to where is it coffee? Is it beer? You don't know what's in oh, my yeah. glass, especially if Daddy is taking him around in the coffee kit. <laughs> He's got the coffee cup. <laughs> better better be dark in there. Been there, done that. <laughs> You got to yeah. have a roadie. You got to have a roadie. <laughs> got to have. My kids don't trick or treat anymore, but back in the day, you had to have a roadie. Yeah, All right, exactly. my friend. So you, Texas, Texas will be. You're going. You're going with Nolan Ryan. You're going with the cowboy. There you go. Throwing to Pudge for for the opening day. So. Oh, you're you're for going to your day. you're playing to your underwear career now. <laughs> what you're doing. I see what it is. All right, enjoy this, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Great stuff. Eno Saris, right here. Go ahead. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Kind of got everything in there, huh? I think we hit everything with all three guests. World Series. Well, we only have this show. We, we're back Monday? Uh, correct, Monday, yes. Monday at 1 o'clock. Uh, we're going to have uh, – So we'll have only two games in the books. Yes, game three would be Monday, that Monday night. And we're starting in Texas. Correct. So it's it's Monday, uh, Friday, Saturday. Then it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. God, I wish we would start tonight. Have Sunday off because it's – have Saturday off and then play sa- Sunday Monday. Yes. Well, no, the three games in a row. 
It's it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. No, you'd Wednesday. have Saturday off. Today's Thursday, right? Yes. Yeah, so, you so you'd have Saturday off, and then you'd have you play Sunday and Monday and Tuesday. Correct, but yeah. we're on Monday, yeah. so I would have liked that. Yeah, I'm being selfish. It's about <laughs> us, not the baseball schedule. Smart to not play on Sunday against the NFL. Correct. Where other other sports are going up against the NFL, like hockey. It's just a tough deal, man. You're you're not going to win. That's why the NBA doesn't. That's why the NBA says we'll we'll see you on Christmas Day nationally. Well, now the NFL get on- Nolan Ryan out of here. Now, now the NFL or now the NFL is on Christmas. So, oh, yeah, I work I work Christmas Eve multiple no, times. Well, no, there's I think there's actually a game on Christmas. There's this always year. a game on Christmas. Is Christmas on Sunday this year? Dude, the NFL plays on Christmas if it's Sunday. Oh. I work two Christmas Eves. I I didn't have to work the Christmas. I've worked Thanksgiving. Raiders played on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys. Well, you think it's a new thing that the that the NFL plays on Sundays, on Christmas? No, but I'm I'm just trying to. Uh, they have well, they th- triple header on Thanksgiving and Christmas Day. Wow, is Christmas on a Sunday? On a Sunday? It's or is it Saturday? I'm trying to look to if see. It's a th- if it's only three games, then it's on Saturday. Oops! Of course, NFL plays a video. Um, Christmas is on a Monday. Oh, so maybe maybe it isn't then. Triple oh triple header highlights Thanksgiving Christmas Day slate. So maybe there's only one game on. Yeah, so Christmas Eve you're gonna have football day. Remember, Christmas Eve is the day Derek Carr broke his leg against the Colts. Was that that game? And ended our season. Uh, oh. Christmas Day schedule this year: Raiders, Chiefs, Giants, Eagles. Niners, Ravens. Hmm. Can I talk my wife into Raiders, Chiefs, in Vegas? No, it's in Kansas City. Oh, we'll take them to Kansas City. I love Kansas City, especially in the winter. Um, <laughs> I think no chance. Uh, floor is yours. You want to rip your uh, brethren, your 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 uh, Pennsylvania brethren in Philly? Uh, everyone thought greatest home field advantage. The Phillies can't lose at home, as you mentioned. Everyone's celebrating. Oh, this is so great. They're up two games to none. They go home. They go back to Arizona. Arizona wins two of three. Then they come back and they lose the next two at home. It's brutal. It's been a brutal year for Philadelphia. Let me just tell you how bad it's been for Philadelphia. Uh, the Eagles are up 24-14 at halftime in the Super Bowl. How'd that turn out? Not good. Uh, the Sixers were up 3-2 and it went away from the Eastern Conference Finals. How'd that turn out? That wasn't even in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Phillies were up 3-2. And When's the last time the Sixers have been in the Finals? 2000, 2001, I must say, against the Lakers. AI. The, the I, Iverson. Stepping over Ty Lue. They won game one, right? Against yes. Kobe and Shaq. Yeah, that's the last time they won. What year was that? I think it was 2000, 2001. <laughs> that's when AI was throwing up 50 shots a game. Woo! Practice, man. What are you talking about practice? Uh, the uh, the the MLS team in Philadelphia, I forget the name of their actual the team. The uh, team if you're name. going MLS. Well, no, they I'm lost out. They, no, they lost in the championship, too. And, well, the Flyers have won a championship since 1975. So. It's bad enough i got to hear about minor league hockey. I mean, minor league soccer. Now, MLS, come on. So, yeah, it's been a – Except the earthquakes. Good run for the earthquakes. Yeah, well, they lost last night penalty kicks, so they're not eliminated from the playoffs. But they were in the playoffs, so, so there, so there's a nice little run for the the Quakes to get in the playoffs. But yeah, uh, there's no love loss for me with Philadelphia. I love Bryce Harper, but he stunk in their losses. He hit point zero six three. I think I have in the, the losses. Uh, 
Yeah, here it is. Schwarber was one for five. Uh, Turner was 0 for 8. Harper was 0 for 7. Cassiano's 0 for 8 in game six and seven of the NLCS. So I sent Cody. If you remember, we talked about it. You may not remember. I'll just refresh you. They did a end-of-the-season baseball show on SNY in New York, the cable channel there. That's the Mets channel. Who else is, is there? There's got to be a basketball hockey team on it, too. Uh, I don't know who is on SNY other than that. I don't think that the Islanders are on there. I, can look I well guarantee with. you it's just not the Mets. Uh, Met? well, no. N- Knicks? This is the team that I just typed in, SNY teams. Go to the homepage. It'll tell you. Home of all things New York sports. Yes, exactly. Well, they're not. Well, they're not playing the Jets and the Giants because that's on CBS or. But Fox. they'll have their shows, their yeah. specialty shows on there. Doesn't see Rangers. Doesn't say Rangers. Rangers are on. Yes, I think also though. Uh, I always thought that was the net. That was the Nets. Oh the no, Nets. it is the well the Nets, and I think the Rangers are the teams that are on that on yes. So SNY, he can't figure it. Out. SNY did their end of the baseball. And they had a spirited debate on should you build the team like the Phillies because of the success that the Phillies have had in the postseason. And obviously the Mets haven't, the Yankees haven't. So they were debating it, and one guy was like, no. And they are like, well, look at the success. Well, at that point, I believe when it was recorded – was at a point where Philly had beaten Arizona or was right before it. They were riding high. If they could redo that show, because it shows you. Their, their defense, you saw it just like little things. There was like two plays by Castellanos so where you're like, got to make that play. Like there's, there's like certain things that you see why if they don't blow you out, even though they got the bullpen, they got started – there are certain things that they don't do that's not winning baseball. Close baseball games are not their friend. They're going to beer league softball you to death, but if it's a close game, all of a sudden, are they really the team you want to spend a ton of money on a bunch of pieces that maybe don't fit? Well, they got hot, but in the end, they're, they're, they're not winning it again. So do you really want to build your team like the Phillies? That was a legitimate question. SNY was saying home run, power, power, forget defense, even though Philly did get better defensively. But power pitching, something the Yankees have been trying to do for a long time, power pitching, power bats. That's what a lot of these analytics has been saying. You need to build your team this way. And all of a sudden, those teams are not that way. And you have a lot of people, especially you see on Twitter, out there, who they don't like to see. D-backs only won 84 games. That's why I come back to. What's the state of your roster when the thing starts? What was Atlanta built on? Home runs. These teams that are built on home runs, what happens when they face the best? Everything gets pared down. We've talked a lot about this. Everything gets pared down. You're not facing the worst pitchers. You're You're facing the very, very best. You may not be hitting home runs. Well, how are you going to win? Home runs still play. I mean, the numbers show it. You out homer the other team, you're 24 and 4. I get it. But what happens when Atlanta didn't hit home runs? What happens when Philly didn't hit home runs? They go home. I like the comparison that the notes did um, with the D backs and the Royals from when the Royals were in the World Series. 
They didn't hit home runs at all. No, they but they they hit for contact. They they did the little things. They bunted guys over and they stole bases and they had good base running. And that's what Arizona is good at. And you look at and you're right about hitting the home runs. I mean, the Braves failed. The Yankees have never never been able to get postseason success. They were swept in the ALCS last year because they couldn't hit any home runs. And and the and the Astros just you know um, just kicked their ass. Essentially, is what I'm going to say is that that's what they did last year. The Braves, same thing this year. Like their pitching failed them. The the Phillies. Yeah, they have Zach Wheeler, but Aaron Nola has been so up and down. And Ranger Suarez, you get we they're pay they pay Tyon Walker seventy two million dollars. He didn't even do anything for them in the postseason. And by the way, for everybody yesterday, I did not pay attention. I, I it almost makes me want to throw up in my mouth seeing Bob Melvin in a uh, to, to be truly honest, see him in a Giants uniform. But um, I didn't want to watch it. I love Bob. Bob will be on the show. I've texted with him. You know. I'm happy for him. I'm happy he got out of San Diego. San Diego. Remember how many people were asking me, you going to go to San Diego if Melvin goes? San Diego is so toxic, it's terrible. I mean, it's oh, it's it's a joke. It is such a joke. But anyway, um, you were sending me some stuff, and a lot of people, everybody's flipping out about – it's Greg Johnson, right? Managing yeah, general Greg partner Johnson. now. They've had a lot of different managing general partners lately. Uh, but – yeah, managing general partners. Hey, we in the end we really want to break even, and everyone's like, "What about the money?" Let me give you the one, two, three, four, five. The top five highest paid guys on the Rangers team, team that's representing the American League in the World Series. You ready? Can I ask you a question? Does it include? Never mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was like, does it include Scherzer? Of course it does. Okay. All right. Top five, number one, Jacob Degrom. What did he do to get them here? Number two, <laughs> Corey Seager. Okay, Degrom's at thirty-seven million. Seager thirty-two point five. You get credit there. Good so player. one on the credit, one on the didn't do squat. Number three, Marcus Simeon at twenty-five million. Good player. Did a lot. Played every game. Hasn't done anything this postseason. He would go in the hasn't done squat category. What's he hit in the postseason? Oh, I have to look. Tell me what Marcus Simeon has done this postseason. Love Marcus. We love him to death. I'm just trying to prove a point about money. Uh, give me a second. Go go through the rest and I'll get just it. Just Marcus Simeon baseball reference. Um. Well, they won't have postseason on there. It'll be regular season. No, they have postseason oh, yeah, play. Uh, yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, I forgot. Uh, Marcus Simeon in the postseason. Tell me what a monster he's been. Uh, in the ALCS, he hit 207. In the ALDS, he hit 214. In the, NL, in the AL wild card, he hit 111. Okay, so Marcus Simeon, these are his three series. Wild card, he hit 111. <gasps> what do we say to allergies or? Oh, the white videos are playing. All right. So, in the wild card series, Marcus Simeon hit 111. In the ALDS, he hit 214. And in this last series, he hit 207. Now, the first one, 111, he was having a baby. They said, Marcus Simeon has not hit at all this postseason. No home runs. Make it no home runs. And he's hitting probably you're trying to get the average it was yeah up. it's it's gonna be probably clo- it's gonna be under 200 because the one uh, close enough because of the 111 that's gonna drag it down yeah so 111 214 207 that hasn't that's in that no home runs 
Number four at $22.5 million, Max Scherzer. What's he done for you? And now he's a cut on his thumb. Said it won't bother him. What? But nothing. He's done nothing. So we're at number five, Martin Perez at 19.7. Uh, I, I forgot he was not even on the roster until the other day. So when you hear all the Giants people or anybody else talking about money, 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 Rangers have spent money. Here we are, postseason play. DeGrom, Hurt, out, nothing. Seager, that's $37 million. Seager, 32.5. He goes in your plus column of your top five guys. Marcus Simeon's hitting under 200 in the postseason. 192 to be exact. He's hitting 192. 507 OPS. Love Marcus to death, one of the greatest human beings. He's hitting 192. Max Scherzer can barely get out of an inning at 22.5. He goes into the bad list. And then Martin Perez, you can't even remember he's on the roster. So the Rangers, top five, top five highest paid players on the roster, only one of them is helping you get to the World Series. It's the other guys. It, You know, think about this for a second, not to go off, but. But wait a minute. I go on to X and I'm, I Twitter, I don't even know what to call it anymore. X Twitter, and everybody's going to tell you, oh my God, this money you got to spend, like. Didn't you learn that if you're a Giants fan, you got out of the Carlos Correa deal? You lucked out of that? There, there would have been 12 more years left. When are people going to realize when they saw what the ma- – you know, it's it's like you can prove every point in the world about money. Every point, and it's like they just won't listen to you. They will not li- – they just will not either – they're stupid, and I hate to call people stupid, or just like – did you just see what the Mets did? Did you just see what the Padres did? Like, how many times do you have to see $300 million? Hey, you know what, Giants? You just want to get money, Giant fan? Why don't you just go trade for Lindor and take on the rest of his $300 million contract? Or Stanton. Hmm? I mean, you just want money? You just want to spend money? If you guys just think you spend money is what – there's your top five guys of the World Series team, top five guys getting paid – only one of them has done anything for you in the postseason. And their best player has been Adolis Garcia, who they got from the Cardinals pretty much for cash. And He's making less money than John Gray, who can't even get on the field. Yeah, another guy that can. I mean, their top, their top guys that the Rangers are paying have done nothing. These are not the guys, other than Corey Seager, these are not the guys that have gotten you to the World Series. It's- That's just fact. Arizona, Arizona's highest paid player is Madison Bumgarner. He's not even here. Yeah, their second. I think their second highest paid player is Cattell Marte, who just signed this seventy-something million dollar extension. Yeah, and he's having a great postseason. <laughs> so it's like the NLCS MVP. The two highest paid guys on each team, Degrom and Bumgarner, are non-factors. We we focus so much on. You know what? You want to see old guys stand up at a press conference and talk about spending money, and then you want to see GM go out and give ridiculous money a contract that you're now married to that you really don't want to be married to. Do you want to be married to a lot of these contracts? No. But for some reason, fans want to see a press conference where the old rich guy says, we're going to spend money, and then says the GM go, has the GM go to the winter meetings and spend some ridiculous amount of money on a player you're now married to that two, three, four years down the line you wish the guy was gone. For some reason... That's what fans want to see, and I just don't understand it. Back to the Grom, two wins this year. That's all he. That's all he's, in six starts, he's able to give you two wins in thirty innings. 
before he blew out his For $37 million, you got two wins. And he's uh, 35 years old. There's an obsession with just spending it. And then after you spend it, years later you realize, uh, what if this Phillies team never wins a World Series? I mean, personally, I'd be happy. But what if they don't? What they don't? Look, look at some of the look at all the look at all the praise that was thrown on the Phillies as they were riding high, right? Phillies were riding high. Oh, look at their owner! Look how great he is! Look that, 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 that all this kind of stuff. Now all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, they're out. What if this team never wins a World Series? And now you're looking at Trey Turner. What nine, ten years from now? Yeah, ten years. You're now. looking at Harper nine years from now. They're old guys making money. It's like didn't they already go? Th- I'm pretty sure they already went through this with Utley and Howard and Rollins. It's like we don't learn as fans. It's like we literally don't learn. The only reason I would like Philly to win, so Hembo's happy. No, but he's miserable and all the stuff. He's, he's got told. the Eagles. He's a new father. He has, he has kids he's worried. They got the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. All right. This is the time of the show. Of course, this guy picked this World Series. I, I had half, so I was I, wrong about Houston. I picked Texas, and I picked Arizona. I was wrong about Houston. I thought they were going to get it done. You were wrong with a capital W. About Houston, yes. Wrong. I said Arizona in seven, and you shamed me for saying I don't know anything because I said seven games. This is true. <laughs> By the way, you, you heard that the model is not the Astros. From Eno Saris, that the model is the Dodgers. You heard that. Correct. I, th- I thought he was, I, I thought two teams when he said that. I thought Dodgers, and I thought the other team can't win in the postseason or score runs. The race. Isn't this amazing, by the way? A lot of people are kind of kind of rethinking their analytics department. Unfortunately, my friend John Shea, I love John Shea, and I know everybody wants to hear a certain narrative. That was a very flawed article that he wrote in the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, there's a lot of people, especially the New York Yankees, who have spent more money than anybody else on their research and data, or they call it research and development. It's R&D departments. No one spent more money, and now the Yankees, after that explosion happened during the season where they had the minor league player come out and talk about what they're trying to teach and what they're doing, and the New York media went, what? And then started questioning the Yankees. Uh, Brian Cashman had to come out and say, yeah, we're going to really rethink what we've been doing. That wasn't in John Shea's article. Not Not having a huge... Analytics department, which it's not even called analytics department. They're called research and development or research and data. Uh, and I, great. The Ra- what was he? Oh, the Rays have the biggest. Yeah. They have like 44 people. Great. The Rays just didn't score run back to back world, back to back postseasons for 33 innings. And they're even starting to rethink theirs. Having a lot of, having a lot of the baseball nerds, a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Boston, you just heard that. Boston. Boston is going to restructure too many guys. Baseball. Did John Shea not hear about how the commissioner wants to make sure they all get smaller in these departments? That they're going to force 
maybe how many guys you can actually have? Did John Shea not hear about this? You're trying to talk about – you're trying to equate how many guys you have in your analytics department? Like, like there. I, I get what you're, you want to say about an owner, but research the game and see what's going on. I mean, come on. Plus, our analytics – the A's analytics department's always been small. Oh, was anybody talking about our analytics department in 18 and 19 and 20 when we were in the postseason? No. I don't, I'm not trying to stick up for anybody. I don't have to. I just there, – there, there's just – I mean, there, I was texting with the great Dave Stewart today about an article about a certain group who signed uh, an agreement with Oakland and the Coliseum. That group is now suing each other. There's, a, there's so much stuff that goes on that, that there's only one side that's being talked about. Ah. All right, it's your time. Well, real quick, by the way, the Red Sox is funny. Someone put this out on, on X. Funny, the Red Sox are moving away from Bloom, a Yale graduate, and going to Craig Breslow, same initials, also a Yale graduate. <laughs> what is the difference? Breslow played, and he, he was the VP of pitching for the Chicago Cubs. No, what's the difference is, is baseball is hiring baseball men again, yeah. but these baseball guys are trained in analytics. So the baseball nerds who dreamt of being GMs and assistant GMs and running franchises, they're now in trouble. They're now, if you're not seeing the writing on the wall, like all of a sudden, like, yeah, baseball teams. I mean, the future is Sam Fold. The future is Craig Breslow. Guy with the, the guy with the Dodgers. Brandon Gomes. The, these guys, Chris Young. These guys who played – are and have out this will be the future this is what everybody is going to hire and your dream of just being a data guy and getting to the top job is un you know whether you say it's unfortunate or not, is is being squashed all right so you want me to get prediction here huh prediction time world series because god knows you love to be right and you haven't exactly been right you pick the Brewers. Oh, they went down. Well, every team that beats you the Brewers. You pick the Astros. You went down. It's good news if you're, pick, if you're picking the Diamondbacks because every team that beats the uh, the Brewers in the postseason six out of the eight times has happened have won the World Series. So. 81, 82, 08, 11, 18, 19, 20, 21, and 23. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you play the Brewers and beat them, you got a good chance. So this is a big one for you. Are you going Boach? Or are you going with friend of the program, Tori Lavella? Well, I'm going to stick it to a, to one of. The, I'm going to stick it to the Bay Area, and I'm going to go with the former A. I'm going to root for the former A's. Wow! Yeah, there's there's multiple former A's on the D-backs, the Snakes. That'd be our good friend Tori Lavello, and uh, don't forget Jace Peterson is on that team as well. He's not on the team. He gets a ring. It's fine. He's not on the <laughs> team. Though. Stop. Uh, well, Evan Longoria is on the team, too, but he's a former Giant. Uh, I think the Diamondbacks are going to win in seven. Oh, my God. You're going seven. He doesn't know. He's afraid. You gutless seven. Hey, history's on my history's on my side. The last time the Diamondbacks were in the World Series, what game, how many games they went in? With two of the greatest pitchers ever? Seven. I'm taking Diamondbacks seven. I'm going Diamondbacks. Let's call it sweep. I'm going Diamondbacks you know, let me tell you why I'm going Diamondbacks. I'm going Diamondbacks because I believe in the man who's leading the ship. Ever since we met him and we've got to know him and we've seen him 
go through highs and lows. This hasn't been an easy ride for Tori Lovello. Not at all. This is a guy that tasted success and then a lot of defeat. But what do great leaders do? They don't change. He's never changed. And the players rally around that. The culture comes from that. Belief comes from that. And when you have your leader saying, love, trust, commitment, and effort. Give me everything you have. They have a support group for their players there. There's something special going on there. And Tori Lovello started that culture. And even in the bad times, he didn't change. And because he didn't change, the culture doesn't change. They've built a they they've made some great decisions. And a lot of what they've done has been built off trades. Drafts, no question, some free agents, some international, but a lot of it is trades, and then it's draft. But the one constant's been Tori Lovello. Love, trust, commitment, and effort. I'm going Diamondbacks in five. Oh, wow. All right. Gentleman sweep, as they call it. Because what happens is when all of a sudden you're not hitting bombs, that's what we see. When I take away your strength, how do you then beat me? How do you compete? When I know what you do best and I take that away, well, you got to be able to have something up your sleeve. you got to have another club in your bag, as we say in golf. What do you got? If I take away the one thing that you do best, can you still beat me? What happened to the Philadelphia Phillies after the first two games? What did they stop doing? Hitting home runs. Once they took a, once they kept them in the ballpark, it's game on. I keep the Texas Rangers in the ballpark, all of a sudden, uh-oh, or as Scooby-Doo would say, ruh-roh. I'm going Diamondbacks in five. All right, so we're both D-backs, taking the D-backs. And boy, to watch everybody in baseball, it's not fair. Oh, you're going to do a little Rolling Stones? Yeah, so I want to promote this before we go. So I got, we were sent this. Um, this is what the co- album cover looks like. Uh, you want to do the honors of taking the vinyl? I've, done, I've not seen the vinyl yet. Uh, I don't have a vinyl player. but I do not. I, I mean, I haven't had one in probably. Our boss is a big vinyl guy. Probably haven't had one in 40 years. So here's I haven't had what, a record player. Here's what the vinyl looks like. The Rolling Stones and Major League Baseball have teamed up to release a limited edition vinyl of Hackney Diamonds. Available exclusively at therollingstones.com, this extremely limited true collector's item will feature custom art for each of the 30 MLB clubs in pocket jackets housing single-disc baseball white vinyls. Go to rollingstones.com to get yours as we have the A's one now. So this is actually pretty cool. I didn't never really had vinyl. I didn't grow up in the vinyl era. I know vinyl's making a big comeback now. So... My, my parents have a bunch of vinyl. I want Mick Jagger and his tongue on the show. Uh, I don't get I, Mick on the show. I mean, I'm I'm good. At, I mean, I've had a nice track record booking guy. Mick's kind of out of my league. What? What are you talking about? Get Mick on the show. Now, if you want to get like a cover band of the Rolling Stones, I'm no, 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 no. I don't. There's a million cover bands for the Stones. I want Mick Jagger on the show. Why not? Why not us? Yeah, all they can do is say no. Hey, you want, you want extremely good news if you're an Ace fan? Diamondbacks lost 110 games two years ago in the World Series. Just saying. 
That's that's another reason why this is such a good story for baseball. Both these teams two years ago couldn't win. Both these teams were doomed. That's why it's good. It just shows you change can happen, and change can happen fast. That's good for all 30 teams. Yes, even for the New York Yankees. The Yankees, I mean, the Yankees this year, it, it, it got bad. And when the Yankees are questioning everything that they do, it tells you a lot. It's a lot of people questioning. You had the Mets spend a record amount of money. They're questioning. You had the Padres way overspend. They're a disaster. You got a lot of people questioning, but you can say, well, hey, look what the D-backs did. When you, when you, when you establish the right culture, make some of the right moves, listen, Rangers spent a lot of money. Dimebacks made a lot of trades. There's multiple ways to do it. Some teams, Baltimore's on the come. A lot has been with the draft. There's different ways to do it. But building the right culture for human beings to successful in, that is a must. That is a must. And look at look at the cult. What was Chris Woodward? Who's he? Did anybody remember him and the manager of the, the Rangers? You mean the guy that was mad when Tatis swung 3-0? I mean, is it, does anybody remember? Bruce Bochy came in and changed the culture. Why Why were the, why were the A's good for many years? Bob Melvin and the culture. Culture matters in the workplace. Your business, our business, baseball, football, you name it. Doesn't matter the job. Culture matters. And you're seeing that with these teams. How did they – it's just – if it was just about spending money, this would be a this would be the Mets and the Padres. They would have been battling it out for the World Series. Well, NLCS at least. I, I, they would have been battling it out yeah. to get to the World Series. That's what it would have been. Would have been about money. It's not about money. Money helps, but the culture. I'll tell you one thing that is lacked. Because when guys leave there, they kind of admit that they don't like it. They have to buy in. It's Tampa. Everybody says the right thing when they're there, but when they leave, they don't love playing there. It's, it's a weird culture. They know the manager, as much as he wins manager of the year, they know he's not calling all the – they know everything's scripted. They, I mean, every game's scripted. They hate it. Culture matters. And that's what maybe this new generation of – of baseball executives who played in the big leagues, but now no analytics, they can. Hey, they understand. You're gonna. You're gonna understand as a former player that the whole clubhouse and culture thing matters. And if you don't, good luck to you. All righty, we want to thank Scott Emerson. We want to thank David Feldman, and we want to thank Eno Saris for stopping by. Had fun. Yeah, it's long. It's been a while since we did three hours. Enjoy the first two games of the World Series. Take Sunday off, and we'll see everybody Monday right here on Ace Cast Live. We're both going snakes. Correct, yep. Five for you, seven for me. God, I wanted you to go Rangers so I could make a bet. Yeah, no, I, I'm, when are you going to pay off that Mexican food bet? We got all offseason. Oh, mm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I'm not forgetting. <laughs> I am not forgetting. Oh, don't forget you owe me, you owe me food, too. For for. Uh, putting together dance. That's not a bet. <laughs> That's not a bet. Thank you for watching A's Cast Live and and uh, listening to A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast.
This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You need to redo your wardrobe, especially for summer. They got new colors, new styles. Summer is here. The polos, unbelievable. The shorts, you name it, we got our new order. My wife is the happiest one out of all of us because I look better, thanks to Link Soul. And they've got unbelievable deals right now for the summer. So what are you waiting for? Shirts, polos, shorts, you name it. You go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you're likely catching me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.